Everyone, it is Dave and Jeff. It is March 18th, and this is a show that we are so excited to do right now. We've been talking about it for years. Uh, Dave, well, he said to us a minute ago, his, his schedule opened up. <laughs> and look, it's Ted Leitner. Ted, boys, how, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. My schedule opened up because I don't have one. Right. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, And thank God. That Dave didn't take that beach house in Ensenada like he was going to do, because the drive, the drive, and I'm thinking, where the hell is it? Where are we going? Where? And without GPS, if this was 20 years ago oh, without yeah. GPS, you're sending- Thomas a, a, Brothers? Yes, you're yes. sending St. Bernard's out to find me, <laughs> along with the rescue wagon, uh, and I thought, I'll bet they don't have guests that come back a second That's time, what yelled at me out the window. There's no way in hell. Well, uh, listen, man, it <laughs> is so great to see you. You know what you mean to me and Dave. And the, the funny thing is, people ask about Ted, and I, I say this all the time because I went to KFMB in March of 1995, and I loved my time at KSDO. I had been there. I worked with Roger. I had an incredible time. Roger and I have a good relationship. We yeah. always have. I haven't literally seen him in, in maybe 20 years, but we always got along extremely well. I'll tell you why that means a lot, because when I started there, I got offered the job at KFMB, and I said to Roger... I've been offered this job. He said, if you don't take it, I'll fire you. So you have to take it. And mm. I believe, Ted, he called you. And this yeah. is why I think so. Because on my second or third day at KFMB, I ran into you in the lunchroom. And I said, hey, Ted, I'm Jeff. I came. And you go, from the Hedgecock Show. And you said to me, Ted, if you need anything, I'm upstairs. And it, having moved here in 81, <laughs> KFMB guy. The whole deal, it made my entire time. But this is the story I tell people all the time about Ted. You were doing afternoon talk, three to five. Right. I had been there producing the nighttime sports talk show for 18 months. They needed somebody to sit in and answer your calls because they had a guy named Phil. Ah! Remember that guy, Ted? <laughs> Phil? Ah, how you doing? And Ted liked to bounce things off, and this guy couldn't take it. He didn't take it because he didn't get it. Dave Sniff comes to me and says, hey, you want to sit in and be Ted's guy? And I go, yeah, I want to be there, but I still, I'm booking the night show. Oh, Ted's fine with it. You're good, Dave Sniff says to me. Ted's right. fine with it. Right. I go on. I'm there for like half hour the first day. What the hell is this guy doing? He's answering my phone. <laughs> Ted, it was the greatest thing, but this is the kicker to the story. I had literally been there 18 months. I heard from five people. Hey, when did you start at KFMB? I go, well, uh, two years ago. Oh, we heard you on Ted's show. The greatest part of my time at KFMB were the days hanging with you Dave will say the same thing. It's just so for you being here for our friendship 25 years ago, I yeah, met you. Yeah. It's a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Dave, I thought we were talking about me here. How is he going? <laughs> no, it's still he always, what, what, what is this? The Jeff Dotson story? Dude, it's always this <laughs> no. one. Biography presents <laughs> no. Jeff Dotson. And how he no. started at KFM because Roger called me. Roger called me and said, take care of my boy. And I said, I would. You and did. And then when Roger was, was thinking about moving, uh, to KFME Radio. Yes. They made him a big offer and it wasn't that publicized. And Raj called me and I said, come out to the house 
And he did, and we talked for about two hours about the pluses, the minuses, uh-huh. and how good it would be for Roger to go there, and and so forth. And 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 we discussed it, and he did not did not come, yeah, as I recall. But we we were uh, very close back then, and I gave him the, you know the, the lowdown even after we had an incident, <laughs> an incident though it was minor when when he was first running for a mayor. Okay. And he called me and said, hey, I watch you on Channel 8. I really like you. I'd love for you to come and emcee this big fundraiser we're having at the Sheridan. Oh. And I thought, Roger, i got to tell you, I'm not a Republican, but I like you. And I always vote. I voted for Nixon first time. I, I vote by candidate. I don't vote by party. I'm yeah. not a big party guy, which was, I think, prescient in thinking back back then before my time, maybe, that I was not a party guy. It should be based on what's right, what's wrong, character or no character. Yes. It shouldn't be by party. This party thing has become insane now. Yeah. It's all about the party if you're, if you're a republican i'm gonna kick the crap out of you or vice versa it was about to me it's always been about the, the individual mm-hmm. and, and the candidate and what they're doing and what they're promising and what they're doing after they promise so i go i say okay Raj, for you uh, i will certainly do this mc job now there's a, a state senator who's come in from sacramento who has to catch a flight back the last flight back to sacramento so we have to get started early so roger says let's get started about five minutes but the people are all milling around. There's nobody paying attention, and I'm always, always very cautious about that. Get their attention and and yep. do it, or they're not going to even know you're there. So I wait about five minutes, and Roger comes up to me and says, "I said <laughs> to get this thing no started way. now." Oh boy! Wow! <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Wow! And I thought to myself, "Okay, there's several options here. <laughs> I can, I can, I can throw a left hook and knock this guy out." <laughs> I could just laugh it off. Yeah. I could just uh, tell people and they'll tell me, no, that's just Roger being Roger. Just like you, Ted. You're the same way. And I just kind of laughed about it. I never talked to him about it again, but I, went and I started this thing. Uh, so, Ted, we just had a quick glitch. So you're there with Roger. Yeah. Roger tells you, start this thing now. Get started in five minutes. I don't get it started in five minutes. He gets in my face and says, I said to start this thing now. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I could drop him. Yeah. I could go left hook. I was young and in great shape then. And I'd been a lot of training for, for that sort of self-defense thing. Or I could ignore it. Or I can ask people, what's this guy's problem? And it would be, he's being, you know, he's like you. He's just being, you know, Roger being Roger, Ted being Ted. And that's what I did. And I stayed and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because Jeff and I both have a million stories about you. And again, we're, we're very happy to have you here. I, I just got to share a couple things for me. As sure. a guy, before I even got into this business, I remember I moved here from Los Angeles to go to San Diego State. I turned the TV on because I want to see San Diego sports. And you're, the first time I ever saw you on TV, you talked about sitting in traffic for like five minutes and then you went to the sports cast and I'm looking around at my roommates I didn't hear anything and they go no he's a huge star was there a sports cast in and, it was, and they go he doesn't use a prompter he's a, he's a huge star he's the guy and I said okay and and I got to know you when we got into KFMB and there are a couple things that that stand out because people always say what's Ted like you know that we get that all the time sure. and I'll say two things one is Jeff was doing morning sports with you at KFMB and then he stopped doing it then I started the day I started was when 9-11 happened right and you walked in, and I looked at you, and you're walking down the hallway. Coming from the parking lot, I didn't know what you knew. I said, Ted, something terrible happened. And you turned the mic on like you were in New York. I mean, it was so impressive, the shows that you were doing those few weeks in such a horrible time. And being from New York, 
was absolutely amazing. But the thing that has always been important to me, and I know to Jeff, when we were out of a job, unfortunately, it's been more than once, you always said, here's my cell phone number, use me as a reference, I'll do whatever I can. And nobody in this business does that, especially a guy who's as accomplished as you. So uh, we can't thank you enough for always I being a friend. That. I appreciate that. And fascinatingly enough, it was sitting there and we had two televisions above the uh, the radio studio at KFMB and we saw the towers, you and I, yeah. go down one at a time. And I'm from New York and mm-hmm. my heart is just breaking because early on it was a, you know, a small plane. A small plane hit the tower, so you thought accident, yep. you know, one of those little commuter oh, jobs, yeah? what have you, a propeller plane. And obviously we were totally wrong, and it was absolutely unbelievable. What was fascinating to me is that I, I, Joan Crock was my best friend in the world mm-hmm. at that time, my best female friend ever, and she's a pacifist, and I'm not. So we, yeah. I always avoided conversations with her about, uh, you know, she was, she was always down on the United States for, for Pearl Harbor, and I would tell her, Joan, Joan, we would have lost hundreds of thousands of lives. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. With an invasion of the mainland, the Japanese would never have surrendered. Well, here's the proof. They didn't surrender after Hiroshima. Yeah. I took Nagasaki, and they were still wavering. So the idea of people have a test, you know, show them what we have, and they would res- they would pull their hands up. They would not. They yeah. would not. I said, Joan, it's, 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 you can't be a pacifist when the other person is just so committed to killing you, as we yeah. see now with our enemies in, in the Middle East. And so that day, I was so upset that I was ranting and raving on the air, but we have to find these people, we have to mm-hmm. kill these people. If they what, they, what they do is they stay in neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods, knowing we won't, because we're Americans, we won't bomb them and have collateral damage and kill sure. other people. And she was driving along listening to me talk about, find them, uh, find them, kill them, do what, kill their relatives, whatever it was. And she didn't, did not talk to me for a year. Really? A yeah. year, Dad. Yeah. And we were so close, oh, so boy. incredibly close. And it was a year, and I didn't get any phone calls, and mine were not answered, either on her cell or at the house in Rancho Santa Fe. And I don't remember how it happened, but she called me about 14 months later, and she said, you know, I was really upset with you after (laughs) 9-11. And I said, I kind of got the feeling that was the case. (laughs) I kind of got the feeling that was the case. But uh, when my my, my wife at the time was was pregnant with a twin, she asked if she could be godmother to them. Oh, man. And that's how close we were. Yeah. And I thought to myself, boy, I'm going to have nothing after these divorces, but these two kids are going to be yes. rich. <laughs> yes. going to be good. <laughs> Joan Crock is their godmother. I'm fresh out of godmothers. I got no godmothers. I got no godfathers. Uh, hey, hey, Ted, I mentioned I got here in 81, and I immediately found Channel 8. And it was you. It was Mike Tuck. Sure. Allison Ross and Clark Anthony. And then we found KFMB Radio. And there you were with Hudson and Bauer and back in the afternoon with Mark Larson. When you look back at that time in the 80s where, I mean, we were three networks, man, but nobody watched 39. You couldn't get to them. There was no Fox 5. It was you and it was Channel 10. Tell me about what it was like for you in this town at that time because, Ted, you were the guy. And you have been the guy for a long, long time. Those kind of things. It, it's like uh, Billy Joel makes it, and I'm yeah. not comparing myself to Billy Joel, but that a guy like that makes it, and five lounge singers who have even better voices, mm-hmm. who are just as good at that, don't make it. Yeah. Don't make it on that kind of a scale, even on a local level. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing, I believe, is karma. It just happened. You're at the right place at the right time, where nobody's done it like that in San Diego or whatever market. Yeah. And uh, it just took off. <laughs> and the, the way I knew it took off, and I didn't know, 
the Clippers had their uh, a sellout game at the sports arena with 12,000 people, and they asked me, since I became controversial, uh, people would listen to hear what I would say, mm-hmm. but they would, half of them allegedly hated me right. and half, half loved me. So the Clippers said, how about we have a pie-throwing contest at the game <laughs> at halftime? <laughs> it was with the New York Knicks. Knicks yeah. New York Knicks. It was televised back to New York on WOR Channel 9, and they did not even put a tarp out. On the court with all the pie throwing. Nice preparation. Yes. Clippers yeah. were even the Clippers back then. And so they had this this little number that you could uh, – you had the number underneath your seat. There are X number of uh, uh, little blue cards with a number to get a chance to throw a pie and yeah. dead light in your face. And it was like it was during a timeout, and people were looking under their seats like they were looking for $10,000. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, God, let me, let me get one. Let yeah. me throw one right in this guy's face. And so they had this long line of all these winners who went down there. And one of them was Terrell Ward, who was oh. a big muscular defensive back, a corner oh, for boy. San Diego State. <laughs> Might have been a safety. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Instead of throwing it from the line, Terrell comes right up to me. Oh, no. Oh, no. And smashes this pie tin and pie in my face so hard I see stars and I think I'm going to black out. Oh, my I, gosh. I think he's knocked me out yeah. in this little you know, cutout of, yeah. of the face. And that's how it went. And the pie's all over the place. So they had a 40-minute delay of a live telecast <laughs> oh back to oh New York. Oh, my gosh. The guy who was doing the play-by-play, he tells me this every time I see him, is the voice of the Yankees, John Sterling. Yeah. At that time, John worked with the Atlanta Braves, and he did the Knicks games <laughs> in New York. And he said, I had to fill time because of you for 40 minutes because those morons didn't put a tarp down. And, uh, and uh, John's become a wonderful friend. And, uh, that's, and, and the thing was, these... CEO of Channel 8 and the, the big shot from Illinois that yeah. own, owns the chain of stations happens to be at that game. Oh, my gosh. And they're thinking, look at these 12,000 people. They all know who he is. Yeah. They must obviously be watching him. This is probably a good thing when, in fact, the CEO, Bob Myers, had told the news director, you know, I go to the country club and the, yeah. my, my guys hate him. My guys hate him there. And when his contract's up, we're going to get rid of him at the end of this first year. Because I had a one-year guarantee and two years that were not guaranteed. And Jim Holtzman, the news director, God bless him. I saw him two spring trainings ago when there was a spring training. Yeah. In Scottsdale, we had lunch. It was wonderful to see him. He's the reason I'm still around. Because he said, Bob, trust me, they may hate him. It's like Cosell, but they're going to watch him. Right. And usually, and usually, as Howard happened with Howard and happened with uh, Stern, the ones who hate him watched him even more yeah. than the ones who liked him. And I got the benefit of that bizarre you know, uh, aberration in broadcast, and it became very, very wonderful. Good. That is awesome. That that's incredible. So, out of everything you you've done, what has been the thing that you said I've enjoyed doing this the most? I mean, you've obviously with Chargers, with Clippers, with Aztecs, with yeah. Padres, of course. Yeah. What has been the one thing that you said this is what I enjoy doing the most? Well, it, it used to be that football was my favorite to do play by play. Over the years, and I don't know why, because the Aztecs have been for the last ten years a simply treat, a treat yeah. for me on basketball and football. But baseball became number one to me, and I don't know why. Part of that was Jerry Coleman for 35 mm-hmm. years sitting next to me. It was like having, you know, a, a, no offense to my dad. I had no relationship worth squat with him. He was very abusive physically and, and, and verbally, more so verbally, that uh, Jerry was like a father to me, and yeah. a brother, and a mentor, and, and everything. So that was part of the Padre thing that made it above everything else, no offense to any of those others, including the Aztecs, who have been so good to me, yeah. that... Uh, it would have to be the, the, the Padres slash 1998 mm. were the team for the ages that loved each other, 
yeah. to this day when you're sitting in, and as I was in a panel discussion at the, at the blood drive a couple of years ago with Greg Bond and, and, and Gomez and, and, and Steve Finley and during the time on the podium there at the rest at the hotel they were getting texts from other guys from the 98 club wow and I said does this go on all the time oh yeah oh yeah yeah every day every day we check in with each other we're, we're, we're brothers for life. It's not just a saying. Love yeah. it. So to be part of that on the periphery and knowing Tony Gwynn and Bonnie and all those guys yes. is one of the great treats of my entire life. And and that has to be up there. That why the Padres have become number one because of their, they haven't won very much. No. Aztecs have certainly won more, but it's not always about winning. It's about relationships. And, and Major League Baseball, to me, is, is, is simply huge. Dave and I were fortunate enough to start our show August of 98 doing Padre postgame mm. shows starting at that time, Ted. And what, as a fan of that team, the coolest thing is if you mention Richie Garcia to Finley. <laughs> and I mean like the calm guys in that group, right? Ashby, uh, Hitchcock. They all take the same approach as a fan, but not in an arrogant way or no. anything else. No. It's like... If you bring it up, we had Mark Langston. Hey, what about Richie? Oh, come on. And it's so fun because, like you said, it was a group of one. So, obviously, when you look at 98, there and was... that, by the way, Jeff, that is what this Aztec basketball team was about. It really? wasn't just 26-0. and 0. It wasn't yeah. just the 30-2 and 2 and the only undefeated team and up to number four and all that. The love affair with this city and them, I believe, was yeah. also based on the same premise in 98. Gosh, these guys play the game the way it yeah. ought to be played. There's no selfishness. There's no me, 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 I, I, I. It's just win, yeah. team. I love my teammates. And I think a slice of that 98 Padres was very much in this bunch of old school, Ugh. selfless Aztecs. As in, move the ball, man. I don't care who scores. Move yeah. the ball. Let's win. And I think that's why they are one of the greatest and favorite teams, along with the 98 Padres, in this city ever. Uh, and we'll, uh, believe me, we'll ask you about that Aztecs. But on that 98 team... You can't talk about that team without talking about Ken Caminetti. Of course. And, and I'm sitting on the bench. Yeah. I'm sitting on the bench one day before a home game. I, I used to do the, the 5 o'clock television yep. at Channel 8. Then I would drive down, make out my scorebook, check with Jerry, yada, yada, yada. Then I'd do the 630 TV live. Yep. Then I'd come over about 10 to 7. Then we'd do the 705 ball game. And I'm on the, I'm on the dugout bench, and Cammy sits down next to me. And I think, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah. He's seen me on television. This is not going to yeah. be good. This is not going to be good. Who's that wise? And he gives me an elbow, and I look over, and he says, you know, with the, with the death stare, yeah. the eyes, he said, you know, I really appreciate the things that you say about me on Channel 8 and the things that people say you say about me there and on the broadcast. Yeah. And I thought, this has never happened. Yeah. No. Since I started in 1980, now it's 1998, and this superstar who yeah. owns the owns the community in every way, shape, and form, and uh, people are calling saying, I, "I've had season tickets for 10 years, but it's yeah. at the first baseline. Can I get tickets comparable on the third baseline?" And the operators would laugh and say, "Let me guess. Yeah, right. I want to be close to Cami. Right? Who's who's done that in what city no. ever? Ever? Nobody. But but the story, Ted, that I tell people, you had the show in the afternoon, three to five. You guys had come back from Philadelphia. It was after a really bad road trip, and Ken was in studio with you. And if you remember, there was a line of people outside of that studio, <laughs> and you said to him, hey, we can get these people out of here. And he said, no, just tell them be patient. And if you remember, Ted, he came in with every person. Hi, I'm Ken. He shook hands. He yeah. did autographs. Yeah. And so when, when we look at how the story ended from the PEDs and everything else – 
I was there in Monterey butchering the engineering for the CBS game. We were lucky enough to see it. But, Ted, you were there every day and saw the MVP year, what he meant in 98. Like, it's it's really unfortunate that people may not have been able to see that because it makes the tragedy at the end even more impactful. No question. And it, it broke my heart. And uh, I just I, – I, we were in a, my, we were in a, that series that was moved with the Cardinals to Hawaii. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's afterwards. And uh, Kenny's got his shirt off. It's hot. He's yeah, got, he's got he's got a shower. He comes out of the locker room. He comes up to the bus. He's got his shirt off. And my wife is standing there staring at him. <laughs> <laughs> That'll help. And, and I say to her, "You want to meet Cammy?" Oh God, yes. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Not even a, oh, okay, okay, if you want me to. It was like that everywhere. It was a rock star. It yeah. was just the most amazing. There's not been anybody. No, not, not not my boy Junior Seau. Right. And, and though he was trying to meet them all as best he possibly could. <laughs> yeah. Meet them all and service them all as best he possibly could. Yeah. And, and that was a huge mistake. And I told him so to his face. Didn't go well. Didn't no. go over well. No. That uh, it was, and I got to live this, not on the periphery, which I was as a broadcaster, but there with them, like you said, Jeff. And yeah. it's something I cherish so much in so many different ways. Not just Cammy himself, but all the Padres that I've traveled right. with. These guys who compete in a sport where the great ones fail at the plate seven of ten times. Yeah. You live with failure in front of 40,000, 60,000 people, and their mental toughness is so enormous, so great, that if you can't learn from people like that when they say, I, only can, you know, I can't control it, yeah. I can only worry about what I have control over. And, and they mean this. They live this. And the idea that the, the union would be broken by these owners who would come in with their attack dogs each time. And, and I would think, you don't even know who you're dealing with yeah. or what you're dealing with. These are the strongest mental athletes in the world. You'll never win against them ever, ever, ever. And that turned out to be true. Yeah. I want to ask you about Kevin Brown because before Kevin Brown joined the Padres, I was getting a postgame guest for Bob Chandler at the end of your guys' broadcast, and I'd be in the dugout of the team that was winning at the end of the game. And this, today it was the Marlins that were ahead, so I was in the Marlins dugout. And I think it was 96 where Kevin Brown had an ERA below like two, but at the same time had a losing record. And he comes be, off be, the field. Be 98. Because he, he wasn't here in 96. Uh, no, no, no. He was with the Marlins. No, this oh, the is Marlins. when he was still sorry, with the Marlins. Yeah. Before I'm, he came I'm here. Dave, no, <laughs> no problem. Right. So he, he was there. That's right. And so he, he comes yeah. off the field and he says to the entire team, either you guys start scoring some runs for me or I'm going to beat the fuck out of all 24 of you. <laughs> and everybody on the bench moved to the corner. Everybody moved away from him. And I said to Jeff, when I heard he's coming to the Padres, I said, oh, man. I go, this guy doesn't fuck around. I go, we might have to watch ourselves. And then. He came to the Padres, and Jeff and I both said, God, he's so much better than we thought. I mean, we, we yeah. loved being around him. We loved the intensity. We loved yeah. everything he was about the team. For a guy that was with him every single day, was Kevin Brown a surprise to you as far as what he was even off the field, or was he exactly what, what you he thought he was going to be? He was not friendly. He was not bubbly. Nobody ever said he was. Nope. He was, he was a, as Jerry used to say, he's a grump. Jerry always yeah. called players like that, a grump, a grump. But I had, I had a cordial relationship with him, but nothing besides how you doing, and you don't come up to him on a game day and say, Brownie, yeah. how you doing? Or you get that death stare, yeah. and you learn that never, almost no uh, pitchers do you approach on game day. I did it one time in Boston in the visiting clubhouse because David Wells had asked me, hey, you're, you're dealing with, you've got a, a car dealer, right, a Cadillac dealer? Can you get me a car? I don't have a car. Can you get me a car to drive during the season? And so I oh. go down, and I, I get it done there. And uh, Marvin K. Brown, and with the late Dave Gunstrom, may he rest in peace, who I love dearly, along with Jim Brown, 
and I got it for him, and we went in Boston for interleague play. And so yeah. David's on the, on, the, on the floor in the visiting clubhouse stretching with the rubber things. And I said, Boomer, I got it. And he looked at me like I had just kidnapped his son. No way. Oh, boy. And I thought, uh-oh. I had no idea how intense this guy is. Yeah. Everybody talks about Boomer drinking and Boomer brawling yeah. and Boomer this and that. Nobody between the lines was a tougher competitor no matter what the situation, than David Wells. And that's uh-huh. an absolute fact. And I learned the hard way. You don't talk to David Wells yeah. before he starts a ball game, and you don't talk to Kevin Brown, and you don't talk to Chris Paddock and all that. Because yeah. Edgy said the same thing when we were in spring training because Pat, he forgot Paddock was making his debut in the, in the spring that day. Yeah. And he said, Patty, how you doing? And he said, I got the death stare. And I realized, <laughs> oh, no, he's going today. He's going today. It's only – Patty, it's yes. only a spring game. Doesn't matter. This guy is locked in. And these, like I said, are remarkable men. You could take a guy like Chris Paddock yeah. and put him in insurance, garbage management. Yeah. I don't care what the business. He will be a success because he has that that DNA and work ethic and that focus in his mind. It isn't just baseball. Whatever those guys do, they will succeed. Uh, you mentioned there's so many different personalities that you had relationships with, but the next one is Jerry. And I want to ask you about Jerry because, as you mentioned, it was so fun for us to listen. It was so fun for us to have the chance to sneak in the back of the booth and watch everything that went on. I loved when you would yell about his ability to fall asleep anywhere while you were trying to get two minutes it's of the sleep. Truth. We're in, we're in, a, we're in the, uh, the metros, they call it, the subway, going yeah. from the hotel downtown in Montreal to the Olympic Stadium. And Dave Campbell is sitting, and I'm standing, and Jerry's standing and holding the strap like on the subway. Yeah. And he is absolutely dead asleep, <laughs> standing up, holding the strap. And I say to Soupy, he's like a horse. <laughs> Look, at him. Look at him. He can sleep standing up. Yeah. And so Jerry wakes up with a start. And I said, my God, Jay, you were, you were sleeping standing yeah. up. Oh, I, I can sleep. And, and they told me, you know, one time I had a, a bombing mission in, in South oh. Korea. And, of course, it's a one-seater. The Corsair is a one-seater. Yeah. It's just me. And I was so relaxed on this bombing mission that I fell asleep. Oh, my goodness. Come I on. fell asleep. And they woke up with a, ah, 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 where am I? And it, it's nighttime. It's blackout. No lights. Nothing. Oh, my gosh. And these are the, these are the stories. He, if I got the dental tools out and to pull his teeth yeah. and say, come on, come right. on, tell me some stories. Right. And when I told him about the standing up and like, sleeping like a horse, he told me that story wow. like he fell asleep in his plane. But, Ted, there, there was a time when it happened that you became the number one. Jerry had been the number one, and now you slid over. To- I slid, I slid, be, be, and I, but, but I wasn't pushed. Years before that, a Padre executive who shall remain lame, nameless yeah. took me out to lunch, and he said, we're changing. We're changing. You're becoming number one, and, and Jerry's doing – I can't tell what's going on. I'm confused. Yeah. I said, hey, listen, the fans don't care. They love him right. so much. They're going to find out what the score is, or I'm going to try to help. And, and, and right. he does have problems with that. He's had cataracts. He's had a bunch of problems. So give him some slack. No, I'm making you number one. I'm giving you X number of dollars more. And I said, don't do this. The fans will burn you like the final scene in Frankenstein with the yeah. torches. The <laughs> yeah. torches yeah. They will march on, the, on. They will march on the earth and they will burn this thing down. <laughs> yeah. Do not do that. This is this is a special man. He deserves to go out on his own terms. And I tell this not to pat myself on the back because I needed that money big time. Yeah. And and uh, I said no, don't do it. Let let it happen on its own. Yeah. And it did. Jerry came to me years later and said, 
I'm going downhill fast. You need to take over. And and so we started to finesse that when Dick Freeman Amazing. was the, the CEO and his best friend in the yep. world, Dick Freeman. Yeah. And Dick said, we got to do this with dignity and class. And you let me know what Jerry wants to do, what he can do. And we'll start this transition of you being number one. But it's not going to be overnight. I said, Dick, you're doing it the exact right Perfect. way. And that's how that happened. Perfect. You know, we would be crazy not to talk about Tony Gwynn. And, uh, you know, Tony Gwynn, number one, means so much to the city, so much to all three of us. Even to the point now when I see his son, who laughs oh, just yeah. like him. Oh, yeah. I my mean, God. Are you kidding right? me? Right? Yeah. I and, mean, and, and, and parenthetically, by the way, before yeah. we get off, Jerry, a story that I've never told in my entire life is Jerry. <laughs> you know, Jerry, Jerry was the clean. When, when, like in, in, in the uh, uh, Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff. Yeah. The, the Mercury 7 astronauts. <laughs> yeah. And, and going out and carousing and so forth. And to stop the carousing, they, they put John Glenn, the, the clean Marine, yeah. in, in charge to keep these guys, as he said, you know, keep his keep your wick dry. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that, yeah. that whole scene, that whole scene in there. And, and, and I said the same thing with Jerry. Jerry, Mickey Mantle, right. and all those guys, and you guys are running out and carousing. And he said, don't think for a second that it was for me like it was for them. I was married. I cared about being married. But I want you to tell them, when I died, Ted, I want you to tell them on my tombstone, I want it said, he didn't get his fair share. <laughs> <laughs> now, where else, where, else could I, where else could I tell that and know that Jerry's smiling yes. on well, me and saying, yeah, I told you not to tell that while I was alive, and I never told that story while I was alive. And now back to Tony Gwynn, who, yeah. like you said, it isn't just doing Padre play-by-play. It's meeting these amazing men. Yes. Hey, Dave, one quick thing. I can say this because I have a family friend at Miramar, and I took my sons there on Sunday, and I said, we're going to go visit Jerry. I right. went to see Jerry. Right. I think he's C-165. I think that Sounds right. And I went to see him, and sadly, that's not there. But I paid respect to him. We saw him. I would invite anybody, Padre fans. He's there at Miramar. That and- funeral, when the commanding general oh. of Miramar, as they folded the flag, oh. as they do, and then the general, forgive me for forgetting his name. It starts with a T. Uh, gave that flag to Maggie Ugh. and said to her, on behalf of a grateful nation, wow. I thought I was going to lose my mind. Yeah. Just after that, his old unit, the Death Rattlers, who were still there at Miramar, Marine Corps Air Station, Marines then, Marines now, had a flyover of F-18s Come on. in the missing man formation. Oh, Ted. Honoring oh. Jerry, and I cried like a five-year-old in front of all my Padre colleagues, and I apologized to no one for it. Good, right. It was so perfect. It was so wonderful. It was so him. And when we had the memorial for him before this ceremony, and I mentioned the fact that in Cooperstown, in his speech when he was inducted into the broadcast wing of the Hall of Fame, he mentioned the fact that I have traveled through every village and hamlet in this country, and now that I'm here at Cooperstown, I finally feel that I'm home. Wow. And I added on to that later in other speeches saying, no, 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 now that he lies with his fellow warriors, mm-hmm. the United States Marines, now Jerry is truly, truly home. Love it. Yeah. Love it. It's, um, I mean, it, obviously extremely sad. When we, you mentioned Junior, extremely sad. Tony to me was a, a different level, and, and we were and we were all friends so with young, Junior. Dave. Yeah. It was he was so great and so full of life, and his granddaughter was on the way, and yeah. he had yeah. grandchildren. Yeah. It was just he was so so great. I mean, all the way to the the very end, even with me you, you, before we started the show, you met my, my oldest son Josh, and and right. I remember the last conversation I had with Tony was Josh didn't like where he was playing college baseball at the time, and. Tony said to me, he goes, hey, there's always a home for him here at San Diego State. And the reason I didn't send him to San Diego State was 
Tony and I were friends. And if it ever came to, let's say he didn't play him, I didn't want it ever to ruin our friendship. So I didn't send Josh to the school I went to or to play for Tony. But he, the last thing he did for me was he offered a scholarship to my son to transfer over. Um, but he wouldn't forget that. He was always great. His family was always great. And I remember when he announced in the press conference that he was retiring and you were the last one to speak. You All you said was, Tony, it's been great. And there was nothing else to say. And it is so, even to this day, I mean, we all who are Laker fans are devastated about Kobe, but Tony was Mr. San Diego. There's no question. And mm-hmm. no it question. is still so heartbreaking. It hurts so much even today. One of my favorite moments, and I've told Tony Jr. this, we did a television show on Fox Sports San Diego after he passed. It was me and Mark Grant and Dick Enberg and, uh, and Alicia, his, his mm-hmm. wife, of course. And I was asked a question, and I started to answer at the beginning of it, and Alicia interrupted, and she said, forgive me for interrupting Ted but you do know he loved you and I was so blown away and I was some some of the most amazing moments of my life and you know guys like us we don't tell each other we love you and and it's it's the old Seinfeld you know when George says I love you Jared and Jerry says right back at you slave (laughs) (laughs) that's as as good as we can handle we can't can't handle the the, the crawly crawly. and when uh, Alicia told me that it was one of the great moments of my life because again I knew him from 1978 when I was doing Aztec basketball my first year doing that Tony was a little quiet player a little skinny guy with the afro it was a marvelous marvelous player who still holds the all time assist record at San Diego yeah. State, and uh, I have him on the post game show speaking of dental tools to, to try to pull teeth. <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't get three words out of him. I remember really? he had a 15 foot jumper from the, from the free throw line to beat Texas El Paso back in the whack days. Yeah. And that was the first time I had him on the air, and I thought, this kid's killing me. This kid's killing me. Yeah. He's got two word answers, and he's nervous as can be. Oh. And I, I used to tell him in that final year when he was doing 7,000 interviews, yo, yeah. T, T, remember, <laughs> yeah. remember our first year together when you couldn't speak two words together? And I just love to see how he developed as a man, as a father, and as a husband, and an uncle, and everything else. And he was just, the idea that Alicia tells me that he loved me is, 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 you cannot spend that. You know what I, you know what I love too, Ted, is we're all fathers, we all have sons. The thing that I love the most about him is, is what he meant on the field, who he was off the field. But clearly the job he did as a father for Junior who has established himself. If you play D1 sports, that's cool. Junior went in and played in Major League Baseball, established himself there. That guy will never hesitate to talk about his father. He's never been a guy to say, hey, by the way, I did this or that. And as a dad, I look at that knowing his father, and I say, man, that's what I'm talking about. That's what you want is your kid, not about talking about me or Ted, your sons or Dave's, Junior is such a guy yeah. of high esteem and such a wonderful guy where you look at that, and I bet, man, I bet Senior says, yeah, forget it. My daughter and who my son are, that's the thing I would be the most proud that of. Was, it was everything. And, and the truth of the matter is we do have a tendency with celebrity in this country to say that, uh, boy, Tony did a great job. Yeah. Tony and Alicia did a great job. Right. Yeah. And, and all that travel and all that time away, I was with Tony. I know he was right. away. And then uh, traveling with, with uh, you know, basketball, with, uh, rather with uh, his own, you know, sports and then coaching at San Diego State. And uh, Alicia yeah. was just spectacular. Absolutely. Spectacular. Right. And the women don't ever get the credit for that. And I always try to point no, that out. No, it's a great point. It, it's so, so true. And Tony Jr., we, we worked together. And I remember a game we did in Washington. <laughs> he made a comment. And I just laughed out loud on the yeah. air going to the commercial break. And, he, and, and I looked at him when we went to the break, and I looked at him, he looked at me, and he said, 
I really sounded like my dad then. then I, <laughs> I said, oh, you have no idea how you sounded like him. But I said, don't ever apologize. Yeah, People right. are eating this up with a shovel. They love it. They right. love the sound of your voice, you will keep him alive in this community as long as you were alive. Right. But that's not why you got the job. No. You got the job maybe on the name, but you've kept the job and developed the job because you're good at it yep. and you work at it because you have the Gwyn work ethic, which comes from Alicia yeah. and Tony. And it was, I <laughs> loved Alicia's line. She got a maid to clean up the house in Poway. And then she came in and, and she saw the junior's room and, and Alicia's room were dirty. and tossed <laughs> all over the place. And, and she said to Tony, I come in and clean your room. Well, we have a maid. And, and Alicia said, no, no, no. I have a maid. <laughs> I have a maid. You don't have a maid. Yeah. You two will clean your room. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here Love it. in this day and age. Yep. One of the great lines of all time. I hate to invoke Bill Cosby at a time like this, but in, in the Cosby show where uh, the, the middle girl comes home and she says, uh, they're, they're picking on me at school because we're rich. And, and Cosby says, no, 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 no. Your mother and I are rich. <laughs> you have nothing. <laughs> that's that's the Gwyns yeah. to their kids. If you think you're rich, yeah. we are, but you sure ain't. And, <laughs> and, and you ain't going to have any heirs, and nobody's cleaning up after you, so get it. I love that. Love it. You know, you've, so been, you've been here, obviously, through sports for so many years, through the Clippers leaving, through, obviously, through terrible deaths with Jerry and, and Tony and, and Junior. And now, you know, the Chargers leave. We're here with the Padres. Everybody wants to see the Padres win. I mean, as great as the Aztecs have been, the Padres are the team that people will recognize nationwide on a regular basis. With everything that's going on with sports, the one big name that's still around is, is Trevor Hoffman, who's a great guy to obviously carry on the, the sports name and oh, always yeah. represents the city fantastic. Is is San Diego in need of, of another big current star? I mean, you mentioned Chris Paddock. We we know Tatis. Who's the next guy to be you know, the person where the cape? You know, even without having a huge year, Manny is a big star. Yeah. He's Manny Machado. I say it on the air all the time. <laughs> And I have to pinch yeah. myself like I'm 10 years old, having yeah. watched him, you know, on television and in games for Baltimore against the Padres and the Dodgers against the Padres. Then I hear myself saying, now here comes Manny Machado and thinking, right. holy crap, holy crap. <laughs> I never thought I would say these words. And I'm so grateful to the ownership. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And this is just and the first time when he showed up at the uh, at spring training and I was doing an Aztec basketball game and I came and I, I met him I introduced myself for the first time and then I watched him take batting practice you can watch on television you can watch from up on the upper yeah. deck somewhere and you're behind the cage thinking be still my heart did yeah. you see yeah. that that easy swing and the ball jump off his bat and I yeah. talked to him later I said Matty Matty do you know uh, 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 Jackie Gleason he said no no he was a big TV star back in the 50s yeah. who always said you could never be overpaid because mm -hmm. if they didn't have the money they wouldn't give it to you. Yeah. And Manny said to me, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, and no excuses. Nobody's going to call you the $300 million guy. Yeah. Just shine that off, son, and just play baseball because he is yeah. so magnificent. These balls that are scalded. And he right. reaches down and makes this incredible, like it's easy, yeah. you know, 90 feet away. And oh. this ball's coming 105 miles an hour. And it's like somebody's tossing him a, a, the popsicle yeah. know, right to his face. And he's going to eat. He's absolutely. But he's already a Tatis. From opening day last year, right. he's already a superstar. Paddock, with his attitude, with his yeah. with his with his grit, made himself a Caminetti-like superstar. It's there. That's why this entire thing. I know there's life and death involved here, and, yeah. and sports, as always, has its own perspective. But for Padre fans to lose the Chargers, yeah, and to be waiting on this team to really start going, and they're going to start going as soon as they can play baseball. It's you know I joked about having no schedule and it's never happened to me. The hell with me. Yeah. There's a, there was hundreds of thousands 
millions of Padre fans here and around the nation, like other teams that are just going through withdrawal. And all we can say is, like we always say, keep the faith, stay well, be healthy, so you're here when the boys come back, because sometime, whenever, they will come back. And maybe it benefits Garrett Richards, and maybe it benefits Tommy Pham and a couple other guys. Shortened season? Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully there is a shortened season. That's what we're all hoping for, but they won't do it. And uh, God bless my Padres, a million dollars yeah. that they donated for people in the ballpark. Ushers and all those people that are being impacted by this. Every club, including the Padres, a million dollars from Ron and Peter to say, we'll take care of the people that get impacted by this. There's no collateral damage here. It's a very real damage. And we're going to take care of that. Then we'll add more money to it later. We'll see what happens. Uh, God bless them. Yeah, we, we used to have, we've all done it, where you where you have birthday parties for their kids or for your kids. And my ex-wife used to be where she would look and say, oh, man, you know, this person was invited. That person was invited. And I said to her one time, we're worried too much about the people that are gone. We should celebrate the people that are here. And I feel like we kind of did that for a little bit when Dean left. And and we were so upset and so much anger towards Dean that we almost forgot, like, Pete Tyler and Ron Fowler are pretty special guys. We miss the NFL. We're in NFL City. And you know what Peter told me? What's I was that? in Peter's office having a talk about an hour after a day game last year in April. And yeah. he has a picture of Larry Lucchino oh. and John Moore's previous yeah. owners on, on the wall. And I said, you know what? Those guys were very popular. And I got to tell you, Peter, you guys, your honeymoon is enormous. Yeah. You own this market now. You have put your money yep. where your mouth yep. is. Even Absolutely. beyond what John and Larry did and beyond anybody. And Peter said to me, this is so Peter Seidler, he said, you know what? We don't deserve that. We haven't done anything. We haven't won. Wow. Lucchino and Moore's won, and yeah. until we win something, we're not as good an ownership. So the the, the lack of ego yeah. that, that John and Larry had is the same lack of ego that Peter and Ron have, and I think it's wonderful. And they're not crowing and saying, look at us. We spent all this money. We're wonderful. We haven't done a thing yet until we win, and they certainly intend to do that. Hey, Dave, I, I just want to ask, because you bring him up, and Larry Lucchino, Ted, was amazing. And I, I mentioned that in 19... 19- 98, Dave and I started doing the pre, the pre, the pregame show. We were on, and we, we'd be way down, like where you did TV at at Pet, or at uh, Qualcomm. And we'd be on in the afternoon, and you didn't have a smartphone. You couldn't find And people would call and say, uh, hey, how's Sean Burroughs doing in single A? And we didn't have access. Larry would send us messages with Sean Burroughs' stats. He'd be listening, and we'd say, oh, <laughs> We have this intern Lawrence, and he's so good. The guy's got a future. I mean, he Larry was, was always listening. He was always listening in Pittsburgh with Three River Stadium when I'm when I'm distant Pittsburgh and talking. Oh what no! What a pit this place what is! Are you doing? This is unbelievable, <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't possibly wait to get back to my room <laughs> and see the blinking light and I pick it up he said hey hey what the hell do you know about Pittsburgh because Larry's from Pittsburgh yes. Larry yes. loves Pittsburgh yes. Larry loves everything about Pittsburgh what the hell do you know about Pittsburgh where have you been besides downtown on Liberty Street at the hotel <laughs> you've never been anyplace else which of course is true right and he was absolutely what Larry is is a genius Ted, yes. when he, and, and these owners know yeah. that that he should have been commissioner. No offense to Rob Manford, who I think is wonderful, but Larry yeah. Lucchino, I think he's so gruff in negotiating and so tough sometimes people take him the wrong way. Yeah. And uh, they missed the chance on having oh. a genius as a, as a, as a uh, commissioner of baseball. And he always told people all the time when we did speeches together, he said, you know, on the broadcast, Ted is like, uh, well, first of all, he's one of the best broadcasters in the country in his price period, price <laughs> range. In, in his price range. And second of all, he's like, anchovies 
You have what? to. It's an acquired taste. <laughs> Ted's, Ted's an acquired taste, much like anchovies. <laughs> well, I, we know this. Dave and I know this. You obviously know. He was such a huge fan, and he loved pushing your buttons more oh, than anybody. It was like Don Rickles. Don yes! Rickles, I told him, Luke, Don Rickles will never die. You'll be, no! you'll be picking on me till the very last day. You'll be doing a eulogy for me, and it'll be one of those eulogies where somebody finally says, yeah. is anybody has anything good to say about this guy? <laughs> and Larry, you'll yell out, yes, his brother was worse. Oh, <laughs> The night he left, Dave and I did the night show on KFMB. Charles Steinberg came in. He'd had a few. Another genius. Another. He'd you had bet. a few cocktails, and he said, guys, we're taking everybody, and we're getting the hell out of here. And Dave and I remember we said that night, man, this town will never be the same. We literally had no idea. But when you look at Larry, Charles, Geff, Theo, Sam Kennedy, Incredible. Mike D from a marketing standpoint. You betcha. you betcha. All of those guys that left. Ted, we were doing pre- and post-game shows. You were the guy. On the day that you find out that that divorce between Larry and the team has happened, what what did that feel like? Because I have to think whatever Dave and I felt had to be magnified 25% because of your friendship with him and yeah. knowing what he meant to this town. And and as John Moore is still owner, I had Larry on the, on the broadcast that night on the game. Yeah. And uh, John never said a word about this, but I told Larry on the air, you are the most brilliant executive God. I have ever met in professional sports. I've been in major college football, basketball, yeah. the NBA, and, and major league baseball, college football, you name it. You are the most genius, brilliant uh, that I've ever seen, and I don't care who knows it or who hears me. Right. And that was, I, I used to joke at the time, hey, haven't I had enough impact from divorce of, <laughs> yeah. uh, on my own? I've yeah. had enough on my own. Where I'm starting, I used to start to invoke the old line by Groucho Marx that uh, alimony was like pay, uh, uh, paying, uh, giving hay to a dead horse. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. It's over. Move on. Yeah, move on. Move on. And the same thing here. Now Larry and John are getting a divorce, and then yeah. John and Becky get a divorce. Yeah. And and the ball club gets sold to, to Morad, and then he uh. comes in and cuts our all our salaries a third. Yeah. Wow. And tells us, well, I'll give you severance if you want to leave. Didn't care, didn't give a whit if we left or not. Mm. And uh, that's the way it went. And then John took over again. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it's just been a roller coaster. It's never been smooth, a roller coaster. But through all that roller coaster, like I said, came Ray Kroc. Right. Joan Kroc. Right. Tommy Werner, now with yeah. the Red Sox. And I had great relationships with all those guys. I always said that, including John Moores, including Ron and Peter. Yeah. I have always had friendships where I thought I was working with the Padre owners, not for them. Right. And if you can say that in your business, wherever you are, you're a very lucky guy, yeah. and I have been that. Absolutely. You know, it's funny is when Jeff talked about Charles Steinberg coming in, the exact quote was, we're taking a group of guys from here, we're going to Boston, and we're going to win, and we're never going to pay for a meal again in our lives. <laughs> and he called his shot. And, yeah. uh, and we, none of us were surprised that Larry pulled it off in Boston. But I, I want to ask you about, uh, about Ron and Peter because – uh, I talked to Peter just through uh, Facebook stuff in December, and we talked about him coming in, sitting exactly where you're sitting, and talking about the Padres because we believe those guys are doing everything they can to win. We want to, we want to see them win sooner than later. I know Ron wants to see them win sooner than later as well. As far as uh, as far as the urgency that that you feel on a regular basis, I mean, obviously Machado, as you mentioned, ton of money. 
is is right now winning just just the most important thing. That's what the fans want. That's what we've always wanted. When you're there every day, is is that it? Hey guys, we're trying to win a World Series no as quick as we can. It's Lombardi. The only thing that that's is, fantastic. Winning is all that matters. Well, he didn't say it that way, but close enough. You know, winning's the only thing, and it is. And people don't want to yeah. hear it. They did, I think, buy in as they did in Philadelphia to the so-called process. We know what we're doing. We're very mm-hmm. smart. We're getting this guy. We're getting Embiid. We're getting all these other guys. We're going to be, and they were right. It seemed like it might be a short window based on what they were like this year, whatever. But the Padres fans know these people have spent a fortune. They are committed in the international draft, which they never did anything yeah. with the Padres. Right? Didn't have a Reimer Liriano. Is still trying to. Ha- <laughs> yeah. No, he is. He's still yeah. trying to catch on. I saw him in spring training. Still trying to catch on. He was the one alleged five-tool guy from yeah. the Dominican. That's it. No Venezuelan. No Puerto yeah. Rico kids until since the mid-80s with Benito and, and yeah. the Alamar and all those guys and Carlos Baez. But uh, this this group has spent $100 million for that and even penalties on top of that. And we don't care. We're going to spend it. Go ahead and fine us like they were the Yankees and the Red yeah. Sox. And they signed it and the, the free agent drafts, which has been, come on, Padres 30 years before that. Oh, it wasn't man. just the worst in baseball. Oh. It may be the worst drafting in the history of all sport. Right. And yet, thank God, Kevin Towers was able to trade where there were some marvelous yeah. moments there in, in 96 and 98 and then 05 and 06. But this ownership is absolutely committed, and I hope for them. I said to Ron Fowler, Ronnie, a playoff game in my lifetime. <laughs> and, and, and Ron said to me, and I quote, shut up, I'm older than you. <laughs> talking about, shut up. You're talking about your lifetime, I'm yeah. older. So that's what they want. They, and it's not a matter of let's, let's make $20 million and put it in our pocket. Yeah. They don't put a dime in no. their pocket. They uh, don't put a dime that's in good their to pocket. Hear. And I saw that, you know, and then, though they didn't spend like that, and it was there was a governor on there without any question from Ray Kroc, yeah. and with all the money that Joan Kroc had, they were not big fans of spending huge amounts of money and having cash calls like under the, the Tom Warner group. Oh, yeah. But this is a very amazing group right now, and this, of all the things, and they're on the precipice of getting there, and there's a, a virus that... Is just it's unbelievable. Who would, have, who would believe this story of Steven Spielberg and Stephen King right. together? Two Stevens, no way. Yeah. If they put that story out, nobody would believe what's happening in our country. Um, I love telling this story to Mark Grant. I've only said it to him about a thousand times. But in the history of my love for Padre baseball, and for whatever reason, Ted, that team got in my blood in '81. Like, I've never hidden it. I was never a Charger fan. I, I just didn't care about them. But the pods are. That team that Bob Costas talks about when you're a kid, that for me is the pods, Ted. Seriously, <laughs> sincerely. So I've, I've told Mark Grant this story a thousand times. I had gotten, uh, drove to San Diego State, went to a party. I had lit, drove a motorcycle there, dr- had just poured like the tallest beer of my life. And I looked up on CNN and they had my favorite Padre, Kevin Mitchell, in a giant's hat. You're preaching to the choir, man. And I said to Mud, <laughs> me, and, me and Mitch are like this. I said to Mud, oh, it was, yeah. I put the beer down and I drove home. I said, it's the worst trade in Padre history. It was awful. I've told Kevin Mitchell this story. <laughs> I said, we got some rag arm named Mark Grant. We got Chris Brown. We got Keith Comstock. And uh, we did get Mark Davis out of that. Uh, that's a big pickup. Big pick I, I told you. The, the What's dinner, your the, worst trade in pot? Robbie Alomar for Fernandez? Of course. Is that, that number one? Of course. And, and, and Tony just passed away. No offense to Tony. Sure. But I asked McIlvain, what the hell are you doing? Well, what are you doing? Who, who hated me, by the way. It was a one-for-one, Ted, one, right? From Joe McGriff? McElvain, Joe McIlvain hated Why? me. Why? So when, when they decided. Because <laughs> he knew what you were doing. They were going to have to get rid of a broadcaster. He went to Tom Werner and said, get rid of Leitner. 
and they didn't. They fired Rick Monday instead. Oh. And I assume my friendship with Tom Warner had something to do with that, with Tom and Jill, because we socialized and so forth. Yeah. And, and hey, what can I tell you? And and Mick Monday landed on his feet. He makes twice the money that we all make with the Dodgers. Oh, so yeah. that, that worked out extremely well. But uh, no, it was just... Uh, What's the worst trade, Ted? It has to be. It is. Because McIlvain said to me, if you can get a, if you can trade a great second baseman for a great shortstop, you make that deal. Subsequently, we found out Tony Fernandez was no longer a great shortstop. No. And Robbie Alomar was as good as any second baseman who ever lived. It was a horrendous trade. And these are the kind of things the Padre fans have internalized over the years. And they're, they're ticked off about it. And uh, that's why I said they need to be rewarded. And we're close to doing that. But we're going to have to wait. Was Am I right? Sorry, Dave. Am no I problem. right that that deal was McGriff for Carter, one for one? <laughs> and the way I heard it was that Gordash, I believe, was the GM. Asked for, Mac- asked for uh, Alomar. Yeah, because McElvain sure. said, what do you want for Fernandez? And he said, give me Alomar. Oh, Alomar was unbelievable. And McElvain says, yeah. Alomar in spring training in Yuma. You could tell it was the best player on the Padres times five. Yeah. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah. He, he and Tony Gwynn were the two best players in the ball club, and they sent him down so they could retard his clock, and you know, like the, yeah. like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant of USD. Hang, hang on one second, Ted. Hang on. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable looking back at that. But all right, well, if you t- tell me about Kevin Mitchell, because I loved him as a fan. As I said, Caminetti comes up to me on the on the bench in the dugout and says, "Hey, I really want to thank you for all the nice things you say." No player has ever said that to me, but Cammy, Bip Roberts did it. Really? Yes, he did it, and that I think is it. That's the complete list. Two, Kevin Mitchell comes to me with a brand new Kevin Mitchell bat, a large thing as yeah. you could imagine, big stick, and in, in a big sock, and it's made out to Ted. Stop. From, from Mitch, and he said, I really appreciate the, the nice things you say about me. And, and my friends tell me all the time, the homies tell me how great. <laughs> and, and, and it's true. And he was such a, he was a bigger than life character. Right. Who was so tough and so great. They had a meeting of the pitchers in spring training that year. And he told Bruce Hurst and all those guys, hey, throw inside as much as you want. If you hit anybody, I will be there before the guy <laughs> on the plate gets there to the mound. And I will kick the crap out of him. Which, of course, coming from Kevin Mitchell, yeah. is yeah. not talk. No. It's not talk. The guy could fight. Yeah. This guy could fight. And that was one of the great lines of all time when Mitch had a walk-off single in one of the home games at the Murph. And uh, here comes the media after Mitch rounds first, and then he's walking toward the dugout. Here comes all the writers and the broadcasters with the cameras. <laughs> and, and Mike Swanson, the media relations yeah. director, said that's the f- biggest group approaching Mitch that did not have a tire iron in their hand <laughs> of all time. <laughs> But he was a wonderful, wonderful, I mean, a great hitter. Loved him. We saw the catch in left field. Oh, yeah. my gosh. With, with a bare hand grab. Yeah. You know As a hit, member of the Giants. You know who hit that? <laughs> Thanks, bud. That, that foul ball? Ozzie no. Smith. That was Ozzie Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly right. Ozzie Smith, Cardinals, Giants. And Ozzie hits that down the left field line. And Mitch makes that one hand, bare hand grab. They'll be playing that 40 years yeah. after he's gone. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I know we've had we've had Mitch on a couple times. He actually used to live right in the area, so we had always talked to him. But Jeff always brings up that story, and then we always try to get – he would never answer this one truthfully or wouldn't answer it at all. But the question was, when spring training was in Yuma, was he driving back to Chula Vista in between? And he wouldn't say if he, he was or he wasn't. very truthfully. And so. <laughs> <laughs> For the record. We're trying to get out of Montreal <laughs> – Montreal, there's two airports, and the one we go to has a curfew, like San Diego. Yeah. And so you have to get out by 11.30 or you don't go. Yeah. the fine, just like nowadays, is enormous, and nobody's going to pay it. So we're having – everybody's on except Mitch. 
he's being detained there by the uh, by the, uh, the security guys, yeah. the border patrol, whatever you want to call them in Montreal, because he has a suit or two suits or three suits, and they have the tags on them because he bought them on the trip. But he's telling the guys, no, I don't have to pay pay a duty on it because yeah. I bought I bought these last year when we came to Montreal, and I'm just bringing them back for altering. So they're not the tags are still on them because I couldn't wear them because I had to yeah. be altered, which was total hooey. <laughs> he just didn't want to pay the duty. Yeah. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting, and Doc Matai, the traveling yeah. secretary, says, what's going on out there? And he goes out there. Larry Boa says, go see what's going on. He goes out there, and, and Mitch is getting a little, little testy, oh, oh. getting a little testy here with these guards. As in, no, you didn't bring, you didn't bring those back. You, you got them married. No, I yeah. didn't get them now. And, and, and Doc Matai says, how much does he owe? Uh, $300. One, two, three. Here, Mitch, get on the plane. Let's go. And we beat curfew that night. <laughs> oh, love it. Love it. That is fantastic. You don't want to go to the other airport, Mirabel. No. It's like an hour drive. To go out in the out in the country, yeah. Where we came in one time, and on the team bus, the guy got off the highway there, and he got lost in residential area. Yeah. And he, there was a couple in the back seat of a car, yeah, in flagrant dilettante, as they say. <laughs> and and this guy hit their car. This oh, poor Jesus. guy and his girlfriend in the back seat. And this guy hits them with the bus. <laughs> so all the players are getting out, looking out the window, saying, "Oh, look at this! Look at this! Yeah. Oh, look at this guy! Look at this guy!" Ted, where, what bus were you guys on that you got lost and they had to like, am I right with you guys? Montreal was the one, one where he where got Where you had lost. to pick a kid up off the street? The kid yeah, had that to... was the one. We got done and we told this guy, <laughs> where the hell are you? What are you doing yeah. in this residential section? Let alone hitting this poor guy in, in Lover's Lane yeah. and, and destroying the back of his car and God knows what else in terms of his anatomy. Wow. Talk about, talk about interruptus. Yeah. <laughs> Poetus interruptus. This poor yeah. guy is never going to forget this in his life. But then this teenager, they stop at, the, at a corner and yeah. they say to him, hey, you guys know where downtown the Sheridan is in downtown Montreal? Sure, sure. Uh, come with us. Show us. And he gets this kid, teenager, gets on the bus, and he directs us out of the residential area all the way downtown. As he gets off, the guys say, hey, let's, yeah. get, let's tip this kid. And this kid <laughs> walked away with like $3,000. Yeah, they puffed him Because when you get on a plane for a trip like that, it was like whatever it was back then, it came up to a maximum $100 a day on, on, on the meal imagine? money. And they were making whatever 70 times a 10-day yeah. trip then. So they all were, had all these $100 bills, and they just kept hitting this kid. Love with it. 100 after 100 after 100. That's awesome. All the players. And uh, took care of him big time. What was your your favorite moment as a Padre broadcaster? And, and I'd like to guess, if I can guess. Sure. Uh, uh, two of them stand out to me that I'm thinking you're going to say. 84, Garvey. And then the other oh. one that I think maybe you have to pinch yourself is 98 World Series, Game 1, sitting there at Yankee Stadium, being from New York, a yeah. former Yankee fan, sitting next to Jerry Coleman going, oh my gosh, I'm doing the World oh. Series at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah, is do, what, yeah. what stands out to you? The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to, the, to those things. The only, the only thing that was, it was Yankee Stadium, and honestly, one of the moments was when when uh, Hitchcock hits the line drive to left field and Jose Bautista boots it off yeah. his glove, and that's it. That's like from 4-2 to 6-2, Padres yeah. lead, it's over. We're yeah. going to New York, going to the World Series in my home, as it yeah. were, for, parenthetically. And that was a huge moment right there. And obviously, Tony hits the grand slam off Boomer. Mm -hmm. Is, is simply huge. Yeah. Except after he went out there and was had his hands on his knees and he looked up at the sky and I knew exactly uh, that he was talking to his dad, yeah. who was a huge baseball fan. Yep. And now his son's in the World Series against this great, not good, Yankee oh, team in, 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 
and they wanted so much for Charles to be there. Because yeah. Charles used to come up when we played the Dodgers. Charles would come up to the press box, oh, yeah. and he would sit with me and Jerry all the time, yeah. to Tony's dad. It was just wonderful. He was in seventh heaven and didn't you know, live very long and never got to see Tony at his peak. It was simply uh, simply one of those incredible losses. It's like when Billy Crystal, first MC, oh. when he first emceed the Academy Awards, yes. if you see him come out that year, whatever year that was, his brothers are in the first row, and he comes out, and ladies and gentlemen, Billy Crystal, and he comes yeah. out, and they're all applauding, and he looks at his brothers and kind of, you know, gives it that, palms yeah. up, and yeah. says, hey, what can I say? Dad's gone. I wish, I only yeah. wish, they knew exactly what he meant. Yep. I only wish Dad had been here, and he was 15 when his dad died, uh. and that's what he was thinking, and that's what Tony was thinking in Yankee Stadium, and these are the kind of little things that are not little things. They're the things in sports that matter. You know what? Dave brought up 84 with Garvey, and I flash back to this. Sitting at home after Detroit, and I'm watching Channel 8, and you're on top of a hotel. It's church. A, a church. It's church. Ted, I'm <laughs> telling you, that's one of the craziest things. No question. Because it had been so amazing in San Diego, right? The Cub Busters and this whole energy. It was wonderful. You're right in the middle of it. And you, you, I don't know who your camera guy was, but you're like, they're burning this city down. And man... They no, were, Dave. It was yeah, yeah, like I remember. I remember. It the felt like and if they could have not Rodney to us, King. If they could have gotten to us, they would have beaten the crap out of us. Even though they won, you think it's, yeah. you know, we're one. You want to be happy? And they acted like they would. You know, were swept in four. It was incredible, and it was. It was the, the roof of an old church that had no steps, no elevator, and you had to put a ladder on on the top floor. Oh, wow. To climb the ladder, and I'm deathly afraid of heights, and I'm yeah. climbing the ladder to get up there to do the live shot on the, on the 6 and the 11 o'clock news live from Detroit while this incredible riot is unfolding yeah. right below us outside Tiger Stadium and they're throwing whiskey bottles at the horses of right. the mounted, of the mounted policemen wow. hitting them in the head and hitting the police officers they turn over a taxi cab and set fire to it they're trying to rock a police car and knock it over they're attacking a, a group of Padre fans in, in a tour bus and yeah. they're trying literally desperately to turn this over turn the bus over that's what was going on and I'm doing this live shot back and a state, oh. a state senator from from Michigan was in La Jolla on vacation hearing me badmouth these morons, <laughs> these lunatics, in other right. words, his constituents. Yeah. And he threatens, he calls Channel 8, says he's going to sue me. And I relay it to him, hey, here's a message where he can kiss. Yeah. yeah. On, on what particular part he can kiss on the Lower East Side. Uh, and I say, go ahead, please sue me and try to tell me in court that these people are not animals. Yeah, we'll show the video. Yeah, yeah. that's all you have to do. Case closed. Wow. Next. Uh, a couple of other quick things for you, Ted. I, I said I got here in 81. And I remember the how fun it was watching Channel 8 because you did these incredible segments with a guy who had a huge impact on my life in Hank. I went to work with Hank, but I, I died laughing watching you guys. You would do it on Monday. You would do it on Friday. Oh, the, the pre-charger pre, pre, right. pre game and after-charger game. They were so fun. That started with Dan Fouts, and, and then it went to Kellen Winslow. Okay. And, and then it went to Hank when he became Mr. Uh, Special teams. Special he really team. was, I'll tell you what. One of the great special teams players of all time. Yeah. Of all time. I mean, you had you talk about another guy who will succeed in whatever he does. Hank is wired that way. You won't outwork him. Nope. You won't outthink him. He's incredibly bright. And he was a star. And we easily, you know, who who has a special teams guy on? Right. In, to preview and, and post-mortem games on Monday. Fouts, you know, made sense. And Kellen made, made sense. <laughs> they offered Kellen $100 to come on. Hundred. And, and Kellen, I quote, says, I don't start my car for <laughs> But then it transitioned, and you did it with Junior. 
And yeah, you did, I did it with Junior. And he didn't want no money. You know him. Right. Just give the money to my charity, to my foundation. And I just loved I loved Ted, every second of it. Dave and I were lucky enough to do Monday night football at the restaurant. And so to see him and hang with him. And I remember the January before he passed away, they had a press conference at the restaurant. This is a guy I've known since high school. I went to San Diego. He's an Oceanside guy. He was sitting at the bar with Ernie Hahn. And he literally didn't. Ernie said, June, it's Jeff, Dave and Jeff. Hey, buddy, what's up? <laughs> and he was such an amazing guy. We talked about Caminetti earlier, and, and you see Junior. But if you were lucky enough to know him and you knew him going back to that time, Ted, when you look back at from Oceanside to USC to the pure excitement that he showed being drafted from the Chargers all the way to the David Tyree game where he loses the ring, like, when you look back, when you think of him, can you narrow it down to one or two memories that stand out the most? The, the first memory started because I had never met him. I knew of him, and he got drafted, and he thought Bobby Bethel was really busting his stones on the negotiation on oh, the first contract. Yes. So Junior called me and said, would you have lunch with me? And I want to talk about your brain about, wow. about television and sports and money and all that stuff. And I said, I'll be glad to, but I don't, I don't know jack about business and so forth. So we met, and I told him, it's more of a public relations thing. How should I handle this? Yeah. I don't want to be the greedy, uh, the greedy guy from Oceanside. You know, I'm not that kind of guy i come from humble origins and yeah. and so forth we were sleeping you know four to a bed and all that wow. stuff i'm not some big shot trying to take money i said junior never apologized for that same thing with the jackie gleason yeah you can't be overpaid whatever they give you you get and you're gonna have to fight like hell to get it we'll fight like hell to get it so that was our first ever meeting and conversation and i just absolutely thought what a what a my God, it was just, when I was in Oklahoma doing the Oklahoma games, Rodney Schott was the linebacker oh. who was so fast and so good. He could come from the backside and in the freelance and just make amazing plays. Then I saw a guy three times larger, even faster, number 55, right. Junior Seau, and I was in awe, in awe. Yeah. And to this day, I see Sydney at, 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 at Canton on television, uh, and, right. and I'm thinking, Sydney came in as a baby on those Fridays right. and Mondays with, 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 the, with his wife, and... and 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 I carried Sydney. Yeah. And now I'm watching her introduce June yeah. to, to 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 where he belongs at, at Canton. And it was just absolutely. He was like he was like Lucino. And yeah. He was he was another Don Rickles to me. Right. He would All the tear time me, he killed he would you. Tear me up every killed time you. I was on the air, and people loved it. Yeah. Off the air all the time, and it was just so shocking to me. And the thing that's always in the back of my mind. And I've talked to a bunch of former Chargers about this because several of the guys were talking to him, like Aaron Taylor, his tackle, yeah. saying, "Hey." I'm a recovering alcoholic, Junior. I, I know it when I see mm -hmm. it. We got to talk. We got to get you into rehab. Yeah, fine. And he never talked to you again. Wow. So I never had that confrontation with him. It wasn't yeah. my business. But once you started to get that that uh, intervention kind of a thing going, you're done, man. Yeah. You're done. He's too proud, a warrior. Don't point out his weaknesses to him. This is a guy who came in for treatment, you know, three hours before all the players were there so he can get treatment and not look weak by being yeah. in the training room. This is a Samoan warrior yeah. in the best sense of it. And uh, same same thing. I'm up in the uh, in, having lunch in his little office at mm -hmm. the top of the, two weeks after he drives his SUV off the cliff. Right. Oh, I was on medicine. I had bad reaction and all that. We didn't know at the time. He tried to kill himself. Yeah. Never, and I'm up there like guys do, busting his chops. Hey, June, nice driving. My daughter's looking for driving lessons. Could you give it to her? <laughs> and we're laughing and going on no. because we didn't know. And that conversation. Didn't believe it. Yeah. No. Conversation would never, ever leave my mind to this day. Yeah. But I know he didn't take it personally because nobody ever thought no. this guy, he's Superman. He's yeah. got, the, got the red S on his chest there. He's not. He can't be in pain med yeah. mentally or any other way. He's junior. 
He's yeah. Junior Seau. You know, that, that's the one thing. I mean, there are a couple things in this town that have bothered me that I think because the reputation of being San Diego soft. But, uh, you know, the, the junior accident where he, you know, leaves jail, gets in his SUV, boom, drives off the, the cliff. Right. And I said, if that was New York City, if that was Derek Jeter, there's no way the media would have let that go. But because I think so many people love Junior and wanted to protect him, that we all kind of just let it go. And I say we all, not us, but I'm, I'm talking the, the newspaper guys, the guys who have a little bit more clout to say, wait a second, there's something wrong here. You know, was this was this a reach for suicide? Because that's what it looked like. Right. We, we're not trained like that. I go back to the Caminetti days, and people always point out when I mention, you know, the steroid guys mm-hmm. that I hate. Hey, 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 your buddy Caminetti, he was on steroids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're right, and I've said subsequent to that that he should be stripped of the 96 MVP because he was. And I know Cammy told me to my face, off the record, that he was trying to bounce back, that the creatine was a big mistake, and yeah. he was, his body was breaking down, and he tried to use that for shorten the recovery period of all these amazing injuries that doctors were, this guy played? Look at the shoulder. Look yeah. at the inside of the shoulder. It's all spaghetti. How yeah. did they do that? He was a warrior like Junior. That's yeah. how he did it. And, and yes, but, but the difference was that Caminetti admitted to Sports Illustrated he took steroids. It wasn't B12. Yeah. It wasn't some other Barry Bonds crapola. It was, I took it. I did it. This is why. And that made me love Cammy even more. I had him on the air in spring training that year yeah. after that came out. And I said, Cammy, please tell me you know how much these people in San Diego love you. Yeah. How much I love you. Because he never got that. It was the old right. Southern guy, Burt Reynolds, used to talk about that. When you're from that either Texas or the South, you're not, a, you're not a man till your father tells you you're a man. Wow. And I got the feeling, no offense to Mr. Caminetti, he didn't get that, hey, four for five. Yeah. What, happened, what happened to the other goddamn at-bat kind of yeah. a thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I thought Cammy could not please everybody or anybody. And uh, it just, he just constantly was looking for that. Yeah. And we all deified him. And yeah. I told him, you have to understand, we don't think you're flawless. You make right. mistakes, but we love you. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this guy has lost his everything. Yeah. He can't play anymore. Yeah. What's he going to do? And we found out. Uh, Ted did me an incredible favor. I don't even know if, I've, uh, if you and I have ever talked about this. I had been working with Barry Lorge to get Ted Williams on KFMB. Mm-hmm. And I was working with John Henry, his son, and Barry Lorge. And we had it set up, and we were going to tape it at like 3.15 in the afternoon. And Hank came in, because we usually didn't start till 7. Hank came in, and at like 5 after 3, Ted fell asleep. And you can't wake up Ted. The, Ted Williams. Right. We can wake up Ted later. Question. <laughs> Tuesday, Question. John Henry, Barry Lorge called. They said, we're going again. Hank comes down again. We're ready to go. And something else happened. And on Wednesday, Hank said, this is the one day I can't do it. I have a previous commitment. I can't make it. And they called and they said, he's ready to go. And you were on the air. You had, I gave you literally no prep. I didn't do anything, and I I came into you in a break. I said, Ted, I got Ted Williams on the phone. It's the only chance I'm going to have to get him. Do you want him right now? And you're like, F yeah. We put him on. I think you went for like 20 minutes. And listen, Dave mentioned it earlier. One of the coolest things that we would do at KFMB would watch you do the sports. I know you've always downplayed this. I've talked to you in the past. But to watch what you did – with no prompter, every night was incredible. 
But when I sat there and I watched you, with all respect to Hank, who's been incredibly cool to me, I said, that was so fun. It was so great. It paid off. It was four months of working to get it done. And you guys were so fun. So thank you for at least getting them on the air. But when you look back at play-by-play, guys you've been able to put a microphone in front of, whether on the phone or in person, Ted, are there two or three outside of Ted that stand out? There are there are two or three at least or more, and there are there's athletes and there are non-athletes involved. Oh, nice! And each of them would make you pinch yourself and say, "How does this little schnook from New York, (laughs) whose father never made ten thousand dollars a year as a wine salesman, W-I-N-E?" I was the W H I N E, and and how is this happening to me? And and there were moments like that when when Jerry, of course, was the Jerry yeah. and Ted, you know, Mickey Mantle, right? Oh, come I'm on, I'm humming, 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 humming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't, Jerry. That kind of thing. And and it was he he played with and and knew everyone who played with them or against them. And yeah. so it was the Hall of Fame tour every year of the 35 God, years damn. I was with him. And then in being in this business, it's not because we're special, because we're not, but we're in this business. Yeah. And I go see Jerry Lewis at the Sheridan oh, with a big yeah. band, a full band. He's dancing and doing all this tap shoe stuff. And he has questions at the end. And uh, not knowing he lives on his boat to get out of Vegas in the summers down at the marina, Marriott okay. Marina, puts his boat there, Pussycat, it was called. And I ask a question, Jerry, you never said what, why you got involved with muscular dystrophy. Is there some story behind that? And he looks out in the lights and says, Ted Leitner? <laughs> Is that Ted Leitner? That's and I cool. thought Come to myself, you don't know how I worship this guy. Oh, I yes. do? How I love this man, how I yes. laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. And now the next day he's up with me and Jerry in the booth. Oh. And, and I'm, th- I'm literally talking to my mom saying, do you know who's behind me here? Yeah. Jerry Lewis is up here. That's yeah. the kind of stuff. It's not the money. And it, I, I love it. I love the play-by-play. I love the athletes. I love all of it. Yeah. But people like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm in a I'm in a fashion valley. And uh, a guy taps me on the back and says, uh, you're Ted Leitner, right? And I turn around and I know this man. It's Wally Shira. Oh, wow. One of the original Mercury sure. 7 astronauts who were the bravest American yes. heroes that any of us from the baby boomer generation ever knew. They invented space travel. Yeah. They had no idea if your central nervous system would fall apart, if your heart would explode <laughs> right. in, in zero G or whatever, or five Gs. They didn't know until they went out there and did it. And now this guy knows me, Come on. Wally Shira, yeah. who's the only guy that flew Mercury, Gemini, and a moon mission, yeah. plus his... Uh, so I have him on the air to answer your question. Yeah. He's right there, man. God. And he introduced me to John Glenn. Oh. At, at a function we were in Washington together, introduced me to John Glenn and all these other Come people. On. And I'm thinking, this is, what the hell? Who am I yeah. to have this? And I'm having lunch with, with uh, Wally. And I said, okay, tell me, tell me. How yeah. did, where does this come from? Right. I get, I get in a thunderstorm, Wally, and I'm, I'm grabbing a seat. <laughs> I'm grabbing a seat. Yeah. And he said, I don't know, but my dad was a stunt pilot. In the uh, old uh, the biplane, I used to go yeah. to shows and, and do stunts. And my mom was the wing walker. Oh. No way. She would be tied to the wing oh my gosh. while he's doing loops and whatever. And I thought, well, Wally, I think we're onto something here. <laughs> I think we've I connected think, a few think, dots. I think genetically we have indeed caught what, where this is from. But these are the kind of guys. And he tells me, you know, I go out to Korea as a fighter pilot. Yeah. And on the first day out to the front line, and this is the stuff that that yeah. you know you get because you're in the business yeah. and he says I go out there the bus is half empty but half the guys are standing and half the guys are sitting in the yeah. Navy, Navy flyers and I, he asked one of the other pilots what, what's this about 
Well, if you've engaged a MIG in a dogfight, you sit. If you don't, you always stand. And Wally says, well, I'll be damned. That first, is... first flight. Oh, tells really? His wing, tells his wingman, I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, hey, Wally, I see him too. I see him too out there in the, in the distance, but we're not supposed to engage. You don't engage. <laughs> and he peels out. He peels out with machine guns blaring, and he gets in a dogfight one of these MIGs, and thank yeah. God the guy disengages and yeah. leaves. And Wally comes back and tells me, next day, bust to the flight line, I'm sitting. That's, <laughs> oh, these, that's these men. Yeah. They are not the same. They nope. don't have the same DNA. Nope. They don't have the same number of testicles. Nope. <laughs> they have more. They have more than two. And they just are born this way. Oh, there are women. There are man. women now that do it also. Yeah. I should I should point that out. But that's what he would. That, that's these are the men that you get to meet and women who are just unbelievable beyond yeah. great athletes. Great athletes aren't great heroes. Wally Shira was yeah. a great hero, and John Glenn and those guys. Uh. And he tells me I was also the first guy when I was test flying for the Navy after being a fighter pilot in, in Korea. I was the first to fire the Sidewinder missile. And I fire what? it out there over the desert, and it does this enormous, these are you know, early experimental, yeah. does enormous sweep straight up and a loop and a loop, and it comes in behind my plane. Oh, oh no. Now it's chasing <laughs> my heat signature. Oh, it's chasing my jet engine to, as pilots say, sure. ruin my day. That's the, they, <laughs> that's the way they talk, like it's no big yeah. deal. Yeah. It's part of the job. It's a Sully Sullenberger Sull, Sull, syndrome. Yeah, no, yeah, it's no yeah. big deal. We're going to be in the Hudson. No, no, can't, can't do it. Sorry. That's it. Just, they're, they're not born like us. Yeah. I'm sorry, boys. And I said, well, Wally, what did you do? He said, I did the same thing the missile did. I pulled up on my stick, and I went straight up, pulled a, a bunch of Gs, trying to stay, you know, conscious. Yeah. And that's what they do. That, mm, yeah. Mm, trying to get the blood flowing, mm, yeah. mm, like they yeah. do on turns. And he goes way up and way in a loop behind the Sidewinder missile, rides it out to sea, until the fuel is gone and it crashes in the ocean, and he comes back to live another day. Wow. That's oh. what they do for a living. <laughs> wow. He's, Man. A, he's a test pilot. And, right. he, he, and he was always he was fascinating. He would always tell NASA, you know, and they would say, hey, talk poetically about what you're seeing out there and in sightseeing. And, and Wally would say to them, not on the open line, but the yeah. NASA line, he would say that if you wanted a poet, you should have sent one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fighter pilot. Yeah. He was very st strict about that. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not a poet. I'm not a philosopher. And I can see the great earth and the moon yeah. and all this other stuff. And Wally would tell them he was crusty as can be. And he would tell them, I ain't no poet. I ain't no poet. Well, we'll talk about this. No, And he would argue with them on the closed line yeah. with NASA. As in, what well, you're supposed to be doing on the itinerary, you're supposed to do so. Hey, we're tired. We're not doing that. We'll do it tomorrow. Wally, it has to be done today. And they bring on Chris Kraft, who is oh. the director of NASA, on, yeah. on, on the line and say, Wally, please. Chris, I'm not doing it. I'm a fighter pilot. Wow. I'm tired. You don't do well when you're tired. We're going to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Click. Wow. Wow, that is amazing. That's wow. Wally Shira. I have such respect. Broke my heart when we lost him. Uh, All right. I got a, I got a sports wish list. And, is, and yeah. it might make you uncomfortable as we say it because we talked about this on the show. I want to see the Padres win a World Series for guys like Ron, Pete, you. Sure. Okay, you've been here yeah. longer than both of them. I would love it with a, a, okay. with, right? a, with a shovel, not a spoon. And here's the other thing is, Jeff and I discussed this just a couple weeks ago, and it just happened to be that you're here. We didn't know you were coming in, but we, this is something we're very serious about. One is we want to see you in the Padre Hall of Fame. 
We we don't understand. You know, I, 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 that's never been something that burns. I, I know it's not something that affects they, they, you, they, they, but they, for for us, we want you in. Kevin, yeah, Kevin, and we want you in Cooperstown. I appreciate that. Kevin Ac came to me. I, I forget which year it was. We finished up with a game at, in uh, Lake Elsinore at, oh, the yeah. end, at the end of spring training, and at that time, Kevin wrote that thing about he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I went to Wayne Partello, the marketing guy, who happened mm-hmm. to be at that game, and I said, Wayne, don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm I, that comes from me. There's sure. No, there's no quotes in there. I would not start that. You know, me, no. me, me, I, I crap. And I said, quite frankly, the test case being. If Jerry Coleman is the broadcaster in there, and that's the test level of the popularity, yeah. I ain't no Jerry Coleman in terms of love and, and, and affection from the from the people of San Diego. Going back to that same love-hate thing all those years and being did a big, you like, big Hey, Ted, did you like that, though? I know you a long time, and I remember those days. You always played it off, but when they went out and you did all that stuff at those games, you can't tell me you thought that was cool. Did you like that whole bullshit that they played up that <laughs> people love you, people hate you? Because anybody who knows you, I don't know anybody. No, pers- they were, they were, I'm sure it was there. I'm sure it was there. Anytime you're opinionated, anytime you do things differently, yeah. as in he's telling a story. I right. just tuned in. I want the score. I don't give a goddamn about his story. <laughs> that, that, that kind of thing. I know that exists. I know that exists. It didn't bug you? But I, t- I would always tell, and I tell all the owners all the way down through Ron and Peter, yeah. guys, if I did the Red Sox or the Cubs all those years and they were winning, I wouldn't be telling stories. Right. It's 9-1 Dodgers in the fourth inning. I'm a radio programmer. I'm trying, yeah. hopefully, to give a little humor, a little story that people might enjoy and stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. And, and the best letter I ever got was Buzzy Bavese, the former Brooklyn Dodger yeah. GM and Padre president, who wrote to me saying that very thing. You know, I I listen, even if the score's out of, out of whack and you don't have very good teams because it's funny and you have great stories, you and Jerry and yada, yada. Yeah. And I give Jerry most of the credit for all of that. But I, I just think, you know, this is a team that's won X number of times yeah. and even a few other times were in it through the course of a season. So I thought my style would be to entertain and inform. Always. And in doing that, I, I contend they didn't have to wonder where the ball was. They didn't have to wonder what the score nope. was very long. And I, I, so I always fought that. But if you do it differently in anything... Yeah. You're going to be disliked by a certain number of people, and I'm sure that's the case. But that Hall of Fame thing, uh, I'm, I'm only, <laughs> I'm in one, I'm in the Jewish Sports Broadcast Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Where's that? That's in Los Angeles. Okay. And I was, they told me I was in. I had a Padre game against the Dodgers, so I couldn't go to the dinner. And Roy Firestone came uh, of ESPN at the time yep. after I'd been on his show, and uh, and he sent a limousine, guys. Hint, hint, hint. He <laughs> sent the limousine guys to pick me up and bring me to LA and bring me back. Well, you're I a little further. To, I yeah. didn't have to drive all by myself. And he that was how I did that uh, little induction there. But I have not. Been, and I don't really think about Hall of Fames because I love the work so much. Yeah. I just want to continue, God willing, knock on wood, at 72 to continue to do the games. And that other stuff is just peripheral. It would be wonderful. I swear I don't think about it. No. And uh, San Diego sports fans need it yeah. more than you need it. it, it, it we it, need it more than you need I'm it. Not, yeah. Then I'm fine with that, but I really have not been one of those guys that has. Because Kareem, we were looking at a game here up there, yeah. Yeah. Boston and LA, and had Kareem, and I thought of that. Because Kareem, you know, he was right. There's, there's a statue out there for, for Elgin Baylor yep. and Chick Hearn and Magic, and there's no Kareem. That was for, for many years. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And I ain't no Kareem in terms of this market and this community. I'm not a player, so I'm not a Kareem. And I don't want to be a Kareem and, and bang the bang the can and, and make a lot of noise. Hey, I should be in the Hall of Fame. So it makes me uncomfortable. But if it happens, I'll be thrilled to death. Yeah, perfect. Like I said, this I, city is hurting and this city needs yeah. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it anytime because, like I said, uh, Jerry's my partner and he deserved it. 
And just like with that that, that right Breitbart Hall of Fame. Yeah. What the hell took him so long? To right. Put, put Jerry in there. Well, that's what we've said for two. Who was ahead of Jerry? I, I, I don't understand. Who did we get that. to? And that six years after he dies, yeah. in addition to all the time when he was here, he had to get fast, and, steady, and, and I, 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 I was, I was, I, 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 honestly, I was not invited. His what? partner of thirty-five years. I don't know who runs that. And That's I know Ron terrible. Fowler. I know Ron Fowler gives them money and supports yeah. them, but I, I don't know who runs it day to day. Because after Bob Breitbart died, a very right. close friend of mine, I, the reason I emceed the naming of the '56 Ted Williams Parkway yes. was Breitbart called me and said, "Would you be the MC?" Uh, and you know, I love Ted Williams, and I know you'll respect him. I said, "You bet I will." And that's how I did that because Bob yeah. asked me. And since Bob died, I had no contact with with the people at the Hall of Fame, and I had no invite from the the Hall of Fame on Jerry's wow. induction. And I thought, well, this is odd, but at least he's getting uh, in. Bizarre. Yeah. I think I told Dave they had to get fast steady in. So Jerry had to, <laughs> Jerry had to wait his time. Um, another another San Diego TV stars. Oh my goodness! Uh, I got to ask you about two things. Well, I promise we'll get you out of here, but there's so it's fun okay, for us to okay. have you here. And you know, I had the one thing that I went back early on when Dave said he didn't want to put any any pressure on Tony Gwynn to have his son go play there. Yeah, I, I can beat that with, a, with an ultimate please ultimate one of not wanting to impose on a friend. And, and make it just strictly business. Yeah. John Moores and I flew on his plane to Pittsburgh when the Padres played the Pirates. Oh. And, and instead of the charter. John said, you want to come with me? I said, sure. Yeah. It's like a flying living yeah. room. It's oh, just man. so unbelievable. Yeah. If I ever won the lottery, that's what <laughs> that's I want. How you would do it. I want a private plane. <laughs> yeah. I want a private plane. And so in driving afterwards, it was raining and the game was raining. Yeah. And John said, let's go. Meet me downstairs. We're driving to the airport in my car, my rental car. And on the way, he's telling me about this uh, uh, What's it called when you the, the, have the, uh, oh, gosh darn it, the, the uh, stocks going public? Oh, yeah, IPO. IPO. He's having the IPO for Neon Systems, oh. one, of, one of the software companies. Yeah. And he tells me, you want to get in? Oh, wow. I'll put you on the family list. Oh. And I said, John, I would absolutely love that so much, and I appreciate that so much. But I'm out there talking about your new ballpark. Right. I'm in favor of the new ballpark. Once Lucino told me it would be where it is and not be way the hell out in the in in in, in, in the, the Wherever know, lost toilet seat Arizona area there. Yeah, East. yeah. Then I, I I said I'm on board with this. It's great for the city, and I'm totally on board. Doesn't matter if I'm a Padre broadcaster. I think it sucked. I would say so. I know that. I know that. But this is between you and me. I said, yeah, but if they find out later, oh, I was yeah. doing all these commentaries on Channel Eight and and radio and right. all these speeches, and and they said, sure, he was on the take. He was on well, the yeah. take. He get millions of dollars in this uh, Hold software. Hold on. Wait, I think well, you flipped it off. Hang on, we got to plug in. So, no, we might have flipped it off. There you go. Did you, wait, did you, go ahead. I'll let you flick it. <laughs> there you go. You're there on. you go. <laughs> if, if they found out, John, that I was doing this right. while I was making money from you on a personal level, they would say, the only reason he talked for that mm-hmm. ballpark, he's a, he's, a, he's a sellout, he's a whore, and I, I, I'd love to do that, and I yeah. didn't. And that's even worse. Yeah, than <laughs> say, from Tony. I was about to say, twenty-two years later, <laughs> oh my do you th- realize God, that was a chance you're willing to take? And 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 John's brother and brother yeah. and sister-in-law and they all they all made gazillions <laughs> on that, and it was right there for me. And I'm, I'm on the, on one hand proud of myself right. for having some some professional standards, and I also hate my guts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll focus on the positive. Dave and I have laughed about a couple events that happened at at. Qualcomm Stadium, and they were before I got here, and I'm I'm sure you were there for one, but I'm wondering if you were there for the other. The first is when Ray Kroc grabs the microphone. No, that's before my time. 
Before your time. Okay. Yep, yep. yep. And what about, we were watching this maniac last week, Nick Walunda, walking across the volcano. And there's a a fantastic picture from, I think, like a Padre game on a Sunday when old man Carl was like 80, and they had him walking across Jack Murphy Stadium. (laughs) And it's typical night. I tell Dave all the time, when I started going to Padre games, Ted, you remember people could bring milk jugs of beer into the game. Sure. And you could just, and Dave's like, what? I go, yeah. And here it is. It looks like just like a Beach Boys crowd. And yeah. here's old man Walenda walking. Yes. Was that before your time too? Yes, Padres score. Final score, Padres 3-1 and one dead. <laughs> one dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like 80 years old. Yeah, but was were you there that day? I was. You were? Yeah, I was. And and, and the, the deal was, and by the way, you mentioned those, those were wonderful the teams were not any good. It was the greatest. But the post, the post game Beach Boy concerts, unbelievable. Yeah. Doobie Brothers stuff, and the Doobie yeah. Brothers, and then later concerts with the Rolling Stones yes. and, and uh, uh, Billy Joel and Elton John together. Yeah. There were some wonderful times at that absolutely. stadium. Uh, in addition to sports, yeah, that I thought was simply absolutely, absolutely wonderful. I had yeah. a great time. I was there when Chuck uh, Chuck Feeney uh, gave the finger to the crowd. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> on, another on, good one. On Fan Appreciation Day. <laughs> <laughs> Ballard Smith, the Padres CEO, yeah. sent me a picture. I have it in my phone. A picture yeah. of that, him leaning over from Joan Crock's box <laughs> and giving him the, the, the half a peace sign as, as a guy came by with a sheet that said, Scrub Chubb. Right. Get rid of Chubb Feeney. And he gave him the finger. And Dick Freeman went back in the box and said to Mrs. Crock, Joan, I think Chubb just flipped off the fans. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm On not sure. fan appreciation day, she says, Yes. And she fired him that next morning. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Were you in Atlanta for the fight? <laughs> of course. What do you remember? I actually have an old 33 and a third album Stop. that KFMB Radio put out of, yeah. of great highlights of that 84 season. And there's a giant cut in there about us, us me and Bob Chandler doing the fight. Oh. I shouldn't say fight. It was fights, plural. Yeah. It went from one inning all the way to number nine. And, yeah. and Champ Summers going in the stands, and Kurt Kabakwa yeah. going in the stands to beat the cheese out of these people. Flan got ragged up. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you should have trained Flan, Tim or Ted. <laughs> Flan got hit. I tell you what, who's that? that the first baseman. I can't remember. Little, little small guy. That that sucker punch. Flan, yeah. big time, right in the face. It was the ugliest, worst. <laughs> that was Gerald Perry, right? History. Gerald Perry. Exactly right. Exactly right. And every time we go in there, yeah. at least to Turner Field. Yeah. There's a VHS of that, and all the Padre teams sit down. No way. On the oh, chair. No and way. And it's like, yeah, hello, yeah, like, oh, look at that guy. <laughs> and, and they watch it. It's a, it's a legend. It's a classic. Yes. Yeah. And every Padre team watches it and the trip to Atlanta. Oh, so great. That is awesome. That is absolutely <laughs> incredible. Before we oh, let you go, do yeah. you have a last question? I, I have to bring this up, and I, I've Uh-oh, talked about it. When they say that, it's not good. No, it's a great thing. <laughs> I, I, I've i said it throughout the course, Ted. KFMB, for me, when I got there, when we started, when we were able to work with you guys, actually, and I have a follow-up to this, too, <laughs> but, the, but the two guys I really wanted to meet, with all respect, were you and Mike Tuck. And, and Ted, I met you first, and then Mike Tuck came back. Mike used to come in studio with us because he loved the NFL draft. Always loved sports, period. And he was such, like you have been to me and Dave, he was such an incredibly nice guy. I've said to you, I told Mike this story, I don't even know where I was going. I drove to Glasshouse Square by the sports <laughs> arena because it was Tuck Lightner travel, travel. And both of you guys were like, what the fuck were it, you doing? It, it, was I was suppo- like, it was supposed to be Lightner Tuck. We, we, who is, who talked the is, other guy into this, that no, deal? There's no talking. My mind, my brain does not work mathematically. 
it doesn't follow in terms of, well, yeah. we're going to take a second back and we'll get a second mortgage and you'll have to take this on paper. And that the, it's like Homer Simpson. My eyes are blinking. And I'm thinking, I wish I was home with some potato chips. I'm not <laughs> listening to what this guy is saying. And so Tuck and I flip a coin, which way it's going to be Tuck and Lightner, Lightner and Tuck. And I win. Yeah. And Mike says, okay, so it'll be Tuck and Lightner. I say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I got married. That's how I had the kids. It was the old, you want to go to bed or what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, you want to get married? I don't get, what'd you say? I think she said something about marriage. <laughs> That's how it all happened. I just don't follow. I'm not very bright. I don't follow these things very well. And I got to tell you this because I've told you guys off the air this. One of the great nightmares of my life, which I am so ashamed of, and I must before I'm gone, change that. I talked to Mike the week he had the stroke. He was the uh, surgery for meningitis, and he mm -hmm. had several strokes during the year and lost his voice and couldn't speak right. And I talked to him, and I was so uncomfortable and because I'm scared to death, okay, of that sort of disablement yeah. that would take my career away yeah. and make me a, a burden to my children and whatever effect it had that I'm so afraid of it. When my mother had Alzheimer's, I could not get myself to sit with her when I should have been there mm. as a son for the person who brought me into this world. It made me so uncomfortable, and I would tell my brothers, I don't want to remember her like this, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I, I talked to her for like... 10 minutes and then I realized she thinks I'm my Aunt Lily, her sister. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even know who I am. And I stayed away to where her sister, my aunt, would call and say, how come you haven't called mother? What's wrong? Yeah. Betty, I just can't, I just, I'm weak, I'm, I'm, I'm a wuss. And I did the same thing with Mike. Mm -hmm. I could not get myself to be with him and, and know how much I fear what happened to him might happen to me and I will as God is my witness, and I'm glad you guys brought it up, I will change that and reach Good. out to him in whatever he's doing and wherever he is, which I'm assuming is still in, 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 in California and still in San Diego, because I see his ex-wife all the time, Yeah, and I love him dearly, and we had wonderful time. We anchored, that dynamic, we anchored, Ted. We, oh, my gosh, we anchored in Philadelphia together, and yeah. we, we'd sit there at night waiting for the 11 o'clock bar. Yeah. we got to get to the coast, man. we got to get out to California. <laughs> yeah. Women? Oh, my God, the women. <laughs> And this guy was a legend. <laughs> oh, please. This guy was a legend. We protected him. We oh, come on. But, Ted, that dynamic, with all respect to oh, everybody else that God. sat at that desk with Kathleen and Barbara Lee with you were dynamite. They yeah, loved I love you. Them. I love them, too. But the dynamic between you and Mike. I loved it. Has was, never been, I've never seen anybody in this town wonderful. that had that, and right? When I knew him in Philadelphia and out here, his wife was Jewish, and he is not. And she gave him a, a list one time for shopping, and it was bread, milk, and uh, cream cheese, and locks. And Mike had taken this dictation and wrote down L-O-C-K-S for locks. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. L-O-C-K-S for locks? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I'm guessing you're not Jewish, Mike. Just, <laughs> just taking a guess there. We had more laughs and more fun. Yeah. And I, like I said, I... I I literally dream about him, and, yeah. and he'll say nice things to me in the dream, sometimes not so nice things, but I'm calling, and he can hang up on me, do whatever he wants, and tell me I'm a horrible friend, and I have been, but I must change this. It's, it's in my inner, yeah. I don't know what you want to call it, my inner consciousness. I hide it because I've been so afraid that what happened to him would happen to me. Dave, my final thing for Ted is this. It was announced yesterday. I mean, it's been in the works for, for a long time. But yesterday was the final deal for 760 KFMB. It's Very been sad. sold. Very sad. For $5 million. And the call letters are going away, right? Going away. Jeez. The building's emptied out. And, Ted, that's 
you know, I said, man, when I was a kid working at a sporting goods store, it was 760 KFMB. It's where I heard Dave Campbell say the Padres are tearing Sutcliffe apart. What happened on that station for all of us. It's where I found you with Hudson and Bauer. Yep. We met Jeannie Cavett's a friend, right? Where Dave and I started, it's everything. And you were KFMB radio. With all respect to Mac and Joe, who we loved, and everybody else dead. When you find out that it goes away, it goes away for $5 million. That was one it, of my favorite times, by the way. I've told you guys that the guy came to Channel 8 one time. And, and when Mike and I were still together on the, on the news before we left the Channel 10. And a guy with a knife came in the front uh, lobby. And the, the, <laughs> this receptionist called the police. And the police took this guy, handcuffed him, and took him away. And Mike goes into the news director and says, hey! We need more security out there. A guy like that, a nut job like that, going to come in a place like this. He's going to come to the most visible, famous guy. And the news director said, and yeah, with your luck, Lightner will be out of town to go for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike was so deflated, so deflated. And the news director just loved it. But it was, it was what we call... When we had Charles Steinberg and, and right. Larry Lucchino and John Moores, and the same thing, when I worked for Paul Palmer and Mark Larson and all these other guys and Bob Myers, it was Camelot. Yeah. That one brief shining moment that you knew yeah. it would never be like this again. It could not be. It was so wonderful, so familial. Yeah. That you didn't work for them. You worked with them, and they had enormous revenues and enormous yeah. ratings. And it was just nothing could get me up at 7.15, 8.15 right. in sports except Joe and Mac. Yeah. Just absolute so much fun and so much laughter. And I, I doing that along with the television and the talk show and all that stuff, it was too much. I was overexposed, but I didn't care. It yeah. wasn't the money. It was the fun. Radio was radio, as they say back then. And it was entirely fun. And I was up there, and I'm making advertisers cancel. Yeah. And I, I'd tell a story to Mac and, I, and Joe and say, hey, I got bumped off this flight yesterday. <laughs> and, and yada, yada, yada. They say, what airline? And I'm thinking, oh, I just cost them two sponsors last week. Oh. Uh, I, I don't want to tell you. No, tell them, no <laughs> oh, I can't no. tell you. I can't tell you. All I can tell you is they fly in the continental United <laughs> States. And they serve a continental <laughs> breakfast back when there was Continental Airlines. Yes. Yeah. And so they canceled. They canceled. I go in to talk to Paul Palmer, one of the greatest men of all time. We lost just this past couple of months yeah. ago in an auto accident. And, and he uses this line. And I think of this line yeah. at his funeral service uh. a couple of months ago when he called me in and used this line on me. You're, you're ticking people off. You're getting people canceling. You're driving me crazy. I like you, but come on now. And then when they brought his ashes uh. down the aisle in the Catholic Church uh. in the ceremony, I started to laugh with tears in my eyes because I remembered that conference I had yeah. with, with him 34, almost 40 years before that when I was leaving. And he said to me, you know, Ted, when you die, they're going to have to hire pallbearers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what... Now I'm seeing him because his ashes come yeah. down. And it's, it's just, I hear his voice. I hear Paul's voice, my former boss, in my ear. And it's one of the most amazing moments. And I shared that later on at the reception with the eulogy yeah. I did at the reception, not at the church. And I shared that because he was just absolutely the best. It and was, that station was, as WABC yeah. was, on the East Coast with Rick Sklar and all those famous Cousin Brucey and Dan Ingram. They owned the country in Top 40 Radio. That's what KFMB was on the West yeah. Coast. It's why, and Dave had a young baby. It was 18 years ago this month. I said, Dave, I cannot sign this petition. I can't do it because I can't do it to Ted. I can't do it to Mike. I can't do it to Lauren Nancaro. I can't do it to John Kalia, And I can't do it to every other guy in this building that I grew up with that was so incredibly nice to me. Mac and Joe were great to me. 
Stacy Taylor was the funniest Larry, dude. Larry Himmel. Himmel. Oh, and I, yeah. I said, Dave, I can't do it. And I remember I walked in and you said, what's up? And, and look, we that's all water under the bridge. <laughs> but I'll never forget. I said, you know, I didn't sign. And you go, well, you know, you're dead. And I was like, yeah. shit, I didn't know it was dead, Ted. Yeah. But uh, we didn't do it. And At least like, he told you the truth. Sniff yeah. told me. Hey, you guys just won show of the year. There's no way we're going to get rid of you. Bullshit. Two months later, after I just bought my first house, you guys but, are out of a job. Oh, that's this business. That's this <laughs> business. Rich Waltz. Rich Waltz does the, the yeah. Marlins, and they have a meeting with the Fox Television people that do it after Jeter's group takes over, and they tell them that we don't see any changes being made. Oh, Literally, when Richie goes to his car and drives out of <laughs> the parking lot, his phone rings, and they tell him you're fired. God. Oh Jeter, Jeter, says, Jeter says you're gone. So in this business, it's... To have to have a run like I've had, nobody awesome. wants, no, it's like Lasorda says, nobody wants to hear your problems, and the yeah. other half of the people are glad happen. you have the problems. Yeah. Too bad, shut up. So I've had this incredible run, and I got uh, at Larry, <laughs> my favorite Larry Himmels. Yeah. They had the uh, uh, the NBC story on the guy in Utah who demanded the firing squad. Oh, Gary Gilmore. 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 Yeah, right. executioner's song. You're- right. And so I, I watched that, and then I'm at the, at the 7-Eleven in, in, in Mission Beach when I was down there for a while in between marriages. What? And, uh, and How are those? Oh, we're bringing at, you back just for those oh, stories. Oh, yeah, at the 7-Eleven, and I walk up, and a guy's drunk and a skunk in front of me, and he says, hey, you're the guy on TV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch that uh, guy in Utah get shot? Yeah. That should have been you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's that's guy number one. Yeah. Now number two is the guy behind me as I pay for my stuff at the Seven Eleven, and I'm leaving, and he grabs my arm and he says, "You're Larry Himmel, right?" Oh no! And I said, uh, "I laughed, yeah. I laughed." And then the guy said to him, "What do you want?" And he, he stepped away from me and he paid for his stuff. And then I'm talking to somebody else who's talking about sports and the Padres or whatever. And then I'm leaving. That same guy is by the door. And as I'm leaving, I said to him, and yeah, and by the way, I am Larry Himmel. And he says to me, <laughs> you wish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have a favorite call of yours? Ooh. Which sport? Whatever. You name it. Ooh, I don't know if I do. I don't think I do. Uh, Tuffy. Tuffy, there's so few clinchings. <laughs> You're right. That's true. Let's, let's right. be honest. Let's be honest. And I don't have one that uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. The Padres and the five, six and uh, the divisions. Nothing that stands out to me that I'm overly proud of and so, you know, stuff like that. They're all great. And yeah. I never I never wrote them down and, and rehearsed right. them like them. Many, many, as you know, many guys do that. Right. And and even go in the studio afterwards and change it. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. boy. That, yeah, we've heard that, right? Yeah, that's a true story. Yeah. He's, he's not alive anymore, so I can say that. Uh, yeah. Milo Hamilton. He did, right? Yeah, yeah. Milo Hamilton. The Hank Aaron. There's a new swinging, and there's a new home run oh, champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. That's not what the original was. He came back and he changed that. It was a marvelous call, but he yeah. changed it in the studio. Ah. And, oh. Uh, that's a I love Milo. I always yeah. love Milo. Always walked around with his own baseball card, right? Exactly was it? right. Yeah. Exactly. He, had, <laughs> yeah. he had his own baseball card. Then yeah. he had pens. He had pens. But hey, hey, that street outside uh, Minute Maid Park right. is, uh, is Milo Hamilton. Is that right? Yes, indeedy. Uh, darn proud of my anytime they name something like that for a broadcaster i'm all for them man i ain't knocking broadcasters <laughs> plenty of fans and writers and so forth that knock broadcasters and I ain't doing it i ain't oh doing God. it I nope. hate, hate guys that do it in our business and you're well aware right. of the ones that do it right well, no way 
Oh wait, we got enough stress. Yeah. Ted, we can't thank you enough. This is awesome. I had a good and time. and yeah, we will it. we will tell you we do love you. I and we yeah, and we do appreciate you. Very you. much, buddy. I appreciate it. It's been a wonderful, wonderful run. And during the time that I was sick, the outpouring yeah. of that when the three doctors told me yeah. hey, ninety eight percent it's cancer. So you can say that or not, but trust me, you got cancer. And yeah. I'm not throwing those doctors under the bus. Three of them, three urologists said, You got it. Wow. I never saw a tumor like that, size of a golf ball that was not. And the lab said it was benign. And yeah. I got to live these two years now since then. And the fans were so great to me yeah. that uh, I don't, it's not those moments of me on the air that I remember. It's that game when I first came back after the operation. Oh, it was great. And, and 35,000 that night against Oakland. And they all stood up when they saw my picture on the board. Yeah. I will cherish that from the Padre fans more than any individual call that I made or game period, without awesome. any question. Yeah. And all the love that I felt for Jerry, and it was not Ted and Jerry, it was Jerry and Ted, all that love I will take with me to my parting days and uh, be so ha- so lucky, so thankful. Uh, well, like I said, Ted, having gotten here in 81, and I've told you this for a long time, just the fun of getting to know you, how nice you were to me at the start, just getting killed, and I would laugh my ass off. And the <laughs> other funny thing was at that time i i don't remember i worked with john dean who loved you like i did i don't know if she was your ex-wife or whatever she would call the hotline and i didn't want to put that call through but i i was like i better put it through (laughs) ted wife and then i'd have to tell you 10 seconds ted we're coming back hey what's going i was like shit i gotta stop doing that to you but you have been so incredibly great to me and dave and like Dave said, I hope you know the impact that you've made on us. We don't like anybody in this town, Nobody. Ted. <laughs> but you, we do love you, man. You have been such a friend that. and such a I positive do. impact on us. And you've always been that way. It's not like you were one way and you changed. You've always been great to us. When we were at KFMB, when we were at 1090, wherever we needed you, you were always there for us. I appreciate it. And for Thank you too. driving down here tonight, like I told you on the phone, I said, Ted, it's not going to be a eulogy. And with all respect to anybody else who wanted you to do this, I felt like I knew a lot of stuff I wanted to talk to you that I thought you'd have fun that maybe you hadn't talked about for a while. God bless you, brother. appreciate it, guys. I do. Thanks so much. Especially as a father of twins. And we'll do that a whole different day. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) please. We need you back in that booth, and we'll get you back there soon. God bless you, buddy. Stay healthy. I appreciate it very much. Keep the faith, Padre fans. I cannot tell you how much fun that was. It's funny, David. It's 1030. I just sent a tweet out. Uh, asking everybody to hang uh, hang with us. I said, damn, that was great. Stand by. The Ted Leitner interview will be up shortly. We started early, and I'm still here. One of our favorites by far. So many awesome stories from Uncle Teddy. It'll be worth the wait. Uh, just genuinely, one of my favorite people. And meant so much to me, meant so much to you, what uh, he's yep. meant to us. Uh, to have him here meant a lot. I hope all of you that... Now, whether you know Ted just from the Padres, but I know a lot of the audience is old school and remembers Mike Tuck in, in those days. I hope you like that, too, because I thought that'd be fun to cover. You know, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we had a chance to, to get it done. Unfortunately, it was because spring training stopped. But I'm and glad. March Madness. And March Madness stopped. Um, we were saying, oh, shoot, now that everything is in full swing, it's going to take forever to get them on. thought we'd have to wait till the end of the season, but I am really happy we got that. Got that out of the way. You said something interesting, which is 100% true. You go, we don't like anybody, you know, and yeah. it's, it's true. We, there aren't a lot of guys in this business we like or that have stood up for us. He has definitely stood up for us, and obviously we're huge fans. Well, I appreciate that he drove all the way down here. 
I really do. I mean, we are as close as you can get. He's driving from North County. Uh, he's just... He's just cool, man. He's just cool, and I appreciate him a lot. All right, Jeff, I want to thank the people that helped this show yep. move forward. We want to thank Dan Williams. Dan Williams is the guy that wants to help you get out of the rental market and buy that house. Now is the perfect time to call Dan. I know Dan's phone is ringing off the hook. Why wouldn't it? It's the smartest call you can make. Right now, not only financially, what are you doing? If you look at the stock market, a lot of people are freaking out. At the same time, you want to look at and take advantage of buying a new house. What does it take to get in that house? 858-688-6813. 858-688-6813. Man, Dave, the financial world changes by the minute and daily, and that's why it's so important to have your finances in order. Uh, 858-688-6813 is the number, not only to buy a house, but just with everything going on. Man, I can't think of anybody better. You know what would clear up my finances? If goddamn Ticketmaster would release the $1,200 of mine they're holding. But until they do that, uh, I guess I'll, I'll stay in contact with Dan. But I, I know, all kidding aside, a lot of people are nervous right now. Uh, we'll get through this thing together. 858-688-6813. Also, Brian Kerr is your guy when you look at buying that perfect house. I'm meeting with Brian tomorrow, actually, Good. at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to go look at houses. Right now, it is tough to sit there and say, well, if I want to look at a house, I can just do it on my own. That's not the case. Right now, most open houses are out. You have to make yeah. appointments. You should have a real estate guy. You should have someone that's connected to let you take advantage of what's going on in the market. Brian Curry's my guy. He should be your guy as well. Put you in any neighborhood that you possibly thought about living in. He always says to me, what street do you want to live on? He's that good at it. 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. Dave, I figured out where I'm moving. Where when are you going? everything calms down, I'm moving to Nova Scotia. <laughs> because I talked to a guy today, <laughs> and I go, hey, how you doing up there? It's crazy. Because Jeff. My closest neighbor is six miles away. I've been practicing social distancing <laughs> for about 14 years. He goes, I'm fine. I go to the market once a month. I load up. Everything's fine. And he goes, oh, we can get all our paper products up here. I go, hey, what do you think if your new neighbor is now four miles away? He goes, no, we're not letting you up here. He goes, I like you, but you got to stay 14 miles away. I go, God dang it. So I can't, if I can move to Nova Scotia, uh, I'm sure Brian will know the area. Man, Dave, everything right now, I mean, anywhere you go, right? Yes. You go, well, I got to get out of California. Where are you going? You going to go to Vegas? There's nothing going on in Vegas, nothing going on in New York. You can't go anywhere. But right now, if you're thinking to buy or sell, nobody knows this market better than Brian Curry. And if you had hesitated to make the call, boy, I wouldn't wait much longer Call BC. Tell them Dave and Jeff sent you. Alan Taylor, Taylor made pools. That perfect pool for you is just around the corner. It doesn't feel like it right now through all this rain and the cold weather, but you know it's San Diego. It's going to be really nice about 95% of the time. Guess what? You can use that brand new pool that Alan Taylor will put in your backyard. you got to call Alan, 619-449-4452, 619-449-4452. You know who needs a brand new pool? Every one of you dumb fucks trying to homeschool your kids. <laughs> Uh, it's Tuesday, and I've seen about 19 people it's on Wednesday. Or Wednesday, excuse me. I've seen about 19 of you on social media ready to choke your kids because we're two and a half days into homeschooling. None of you voted yes to give the teachers a raise, and you're all crying the blues. Well, you know how you solve that? Get a brand new tailor made pool, put it in the backyard, and guess what you do? 
Every day is swim lessons. That's it. Your kid won't know shit about core math, but goddamn, will he master the butterfly? Son of a bitch. It'll be like little Michael Phelps back there. I'll tell you another guy, Dave. Who? If you put that tailor made pull in, you'll have a goddamn Diana Nyad. How come nobody swims the English Channel? We can have your baby daughter swimming front stroke, backstroke, butterfly. Anything you like, that side breathing technique. <laughs> I love you. Stay safe. And if anybody has any Globetrotter tickets for when they go back on tour, I'd love them. Uh, yeah, call Al Taylor. Tell him the mayor of Poway sent you. Also, don't forget about that perfect website. It's right there around the corner for you. What are you waiting for? Kyle Fluger is your guy. Your business needs to be popping when everything gets back to normal. 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. Yeah. How do I survive the coronavirus.com? That's our new website. It's going to be great. I don't have any idea how you survive it. Apparently, you stay six feet away from everybody. And you keep your asses out of the bar like Alice Sweet in Baltimore. <laughs> All right, look, I have two names on here that I want to throw at you. I know right, we're in a hurry to get out of here because i got to make sure I can upload this thing. Okay. But uh, two guys on here that it's the birthday kind of cracked me up. Charlie Pride. Charlie Pride. You got to. Uh, Charlie Pride. <laughs> Shit. You know what we should play? i tell you what I'm going to do yeah. when I come back here. Oh, big show Sunday night. Let me promote it. we got uh, two now. big shows coming up. Uh, Sunday night, Jim Trotter will be in here. Yes. In here talking about Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, uh, what happens next with the NFL, the whole deal Sunday night. And uh, i tell you what I'm going to do, Dave. When I come in here Sunday night, I'm going to try to remember to put together a list of dead or alive. And I'm going to okay. ask you. Good deal. If the, we'll do birthdays, and then I'll ask you dead or alive. Charlie, I would have missed this one. Charlie Pride may be the first guy. I think he's still alive. He is still alive. 86 years old. 82. 82. How much is he worth? A lot more than I thought. Is that right? God damn that. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Pride was cool, man. Charlie Pride was cool. I'm going to guess he's worth $20 million. $40 million. No shit. That's what it says. Charlie Pride's worth $40 million. No, I'm not complaining. I liked it. He was entertaining. All right. Got one for you. Vanessa Williams. Oh, I saw her naked. Yeah, we all have. Uh, Vanessa Williams... 56. 57. Ah, shit. Would you throw her one? Yes. I know. (laughs) Uh, 57. Uh, As my buddy said in those pictures, she had a crazy pelt. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I forgot the name of the person that that was described. You can tell me off the air. Uh, 57, how much is she worth? She's had a pretty good career. I'd yes, say yes. 24 million. Pretty good, 28. All right, yeah. 28 million. She's right. pretty cool, man. Good on her. That was a terrible thing that happened to her, and uh, she bounced back, right? I guess. She was, she's been, she was now with, uh, I think, her third husband. She was with Rick Fox, I thought a lot longer, but only like five years. Oh, wow. I'll throw one more at you. Adam sure. Levine. Adam Levine, interesting. 45. 41. 41. God damn, I bet he's worth a ton of dough. 80 million. 120 million. No shit. Yep. All right. Our thanks to Ted Leitner. Incredible. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as mentioned, Sunday night, Jim Trotter in studio. And then, I don't know if it's booked yet, but coming up, uh, shit, the way traffic is, it takes me about 11 minutes to get down here. So we should be able to make this happen pretty easily. The great 
one and only, my date to the end of the coronavirus Dave and Jeff Christmas party 2020. You know who it is. The lovely and talented Lisa Ann back on the show. Do we know when? Well, you tell me when. If you want, I'll ask her for Wednesday. All right. I think Lisa Ann will be back on the show next Wednesday night. We can't wait for that. Good deal. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. So oh.